Hey, yo, what up? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ Roll Podcast. Um, we in Los Angeles right now. It's me, yeah. DJ Crooked, Jamie the Great, yep. DJ Neva, yo. DJ D Miles, yes, and sir. we got special, special, special guests yeah. all the way from the BX New York. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Yes. Cypher Sounds. I don't, man. I don't live in the Bronx anymore. Nah. <laughs> but I am from New York. Cypher Sounds. What's up? What's up? What's up? Wrap it up Thank you up. for having me on the on the Roge podcast. Roach. <laughs> it's Roach, right? The road, like the vag, the Roach. Well, how do, what's the name of this podcast? Road Podcast. Road. R-O-A-D. What does that stand for? Reflections of a DJ. Yeah, Reflections of a DJ. A road the Roach. <laughs> the Roach Podcast. Thank you. Welcome, Yo. welcome, bro. Yeah, I'm glad we got to link okay. up here in LA and shit. So. Yeah. The yeah West Coast. What you doing out here anyway? Uh, I'm out here... Uh, so I got a TV show, a comedy show on True TV, mm-hmm. and um, they just about to start shooting more episodes, so I had to come meet the people. The, there's new people shooting it, so I had to meet with them, and I'm doing a party on Saturday at Palm Springs for a private situation that I can't say, <laughs> <laughs> that my friend just reminded me not got to the, say. Got the hand signal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm DJing at the Dime. Oh, tomorrow no. night, yeah, yeah, that just became like yesterday, like a last minute thing. On Fairfax, well, I'm super excited, yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna come check you out over there. Tomorrow. Yeah. You wanna come tomorrow? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna come tomorrow. All the pressures on. We'll be man. out here. <laughs> yo, <laughs> you know what's funny? On. We went to go see uh, one of our other homies, DJ, and he's like, "Yo, once like it was only me, Cricket, and D that went." And he goes, "Yo, when y'all walked in, I got nervous." Yeah, nobody likes DJing around other DJs. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't want to be on the podcast. You like, know all the tricks. <laughs> well, I, I'm, we're glad to have you here. I mean, Thank you. you're like a legend. To me, I grew up listening to you. You know, Cypher don't get gas. I am very famous in New York. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> very very famous in some parts of New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well known. I was actually surprised because you actually kind of reached out through uh, like a mutual uh, homie, which is yeah. DJ Marvel. Yep. Shout to DJ and Marvel. we were talking about you on on our like I guess a couple episodes ago. We yeah. were, we were talking about the Global Spin Awards. Yeah, yeah. yeah Marvel said uh, he sent me like a you know a link. He said, "Yo, you gotta listen to this," and um and it was dope. I, I mean, the part about me is always amazing when you talk about <laughs> such great DJs. But the whole podcast is dope. Just really talking about some DJ shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like appreciate that. All man. DJs do all the time anyway. Why like, why is nobody? Yeah. Recorded it, yeah. We're, we're low key, kind of like the like the biggest haters, but like on some yeah. like on an observational <laughs> level, right? Yeah, <laughs> like there's a reasoning behind our hate, you know. We're yeah, the, you we're know the backpacker DJs, if you may. Yeah. Well, you you kind of went on you went on like a rant, uh, like would you say it was a rant? It was a vent? It was like you were speaking you're, of you're your talking feelings. Your shit. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about me. I don't. I my life changed a couple of years ago when I learned. Um, not to take things personally. Uh-huh. So on some my on some like mental health, meditation, uh, wellness type shit, I never take anything personally, right? I don't I don't get offended at anything. If somebody hates me, I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. But I'm literally confused about the Global Spin Awards. Uh, I get I never get mentioned. I never even get invited. I never get asked to come through. And I'm like, on on the DJ front, I've done so much for the culture. I don't even get like a, I'm not, I don't care if I win or not, an invite. 
Right. So you, I never even know when they are happening. So you never got invited to never, never, never got invited. Never got a. a, a how do you get invited? Is it an email? <laughs> well, is it something in the mail? We we, 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 was, we were actually confused and we were wondering what is like we were trying to trace or trying to understand what is the f- financial backing or what is the benefit of yeah. this whole this of, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like who's yeah. benefiting from this shit? Like and then who's involved well, and how does that work? It it seems very political, man. Like yeah, but but what, but what politic group? Like right. what? I don't. What I don't. We don't understand. Like, no, 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 what party know. is benefiting? We don't understand like the nominees. We don't understand yeah. shit. Like, like criteria. We didn't like, understand because it, it, it just kind of just seemed like the right PR motherfuckers hit yeah. up that are in this circle. Right, just like yo, right, these right. these are the DJs we pick out. I mean, you know, does it have anything to do with Ciroc? Is Ciroc making money from this? I know it's a revolt behind it. Yeah. Now it is. And Sean Prez is like yeah. the head of it, right? Sean Prez, I remember when he, well, I've, I've apparently, I'll tell you after we talk about it. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I never brag, I never boast. I'm just curious. The stuff I've done for this hip hop game, specifically DJ culture. Yeah, yeah. Why don't I get any accolades or recognized for it? So I was just, ranting on my Instagram. Yeah. But we thought it was legitimate because, I mean, for us, I mean, you know, and recently we, we even saw like, uh, I guess it was uh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Where you were even talking about shit that we didn't even know about where we were yeah. saying, where you broke records and shit like that. That's, you know? that's one of my biggest flaws is I don't tell people enough all the stuff I've done. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, those people know, the, the, the Spinner Wars <laughs> people know. <laughs> They were there. Yeah, they're like Sean Prez is from New York. But is it is it all is it maybe that you're not out in the circle like yeah like, oh, 100%. like mingling and doing all of that shit yeah, right? Especially now. Yeah. Especially since I left radio, I definitely don't mingle in the music industry DJ world. I'm still friends with a lot of people, and you know when you leave a radio station is when you figure out who your friends are and who is just. Your business associate trying to get plays. And yeah, shit. but and also I understand that it doesn't hurt me that you. Oh, you weren't really my friend. We worked together. I worked at a radio station. You worked for a record label. Your job was to schmooze me and get me to play records. Right. Some people, it was more than that. I've been to some people's weddings and, or their, you know, personal parties. And sometimes it was just business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, I definitely don't. Politic at all. I don't care. I don't like it. I think that's a DJ trait, though. Well, I think just like you don't be out in politics. You go, yeah. you DJ, and you leave. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of the reason why DJs aren't as strong as they used to be or as they should be. What well, is there's two different kinds of DJs that I've been seeing. It's the guys that actually are like socialite DJs. Yeah. Where they're in the circle, they're yeah. doing the red carpet, they look good while they're DJing. Yeah. They know the right people, they got PR, they got all this backing. Yeah. And it's the actual dudes that we we really just try to rock a party. We yeah. really just try yeah. to like rock the room. Yeah. We're really not trying to talk to nobody. We're not really trying to like do yeah. anything extra at the club, but yeah, I'm somewhere the in the I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. Cause I like I don't I definitely don't do red carpets, but I like being social. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I was younger, no, I was Do you feel like social media has like 
made it to where you have to be more social <laughs> and you have media. to be that dude. Social media sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's what everything. Yeah, like mm-hmm. um, it's exhausting, though, right? Yeah, man, it's exhausting. It's like you're consi- like constantly selling yourself, right? Yeah, kind of and then like, like, and then like, you know, I hate when like I put up a picture of myself doing something amazing and I'll get like 300 likes and then you put a picture up with you and a celebrity and you get <laughs> 2,000 likes. Yeah, yeah. So then you're like, okay, more pictures with celebrities. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I like everything uh, to a degree, like a, a good medium level. Like, yeah. I don't want to do, I don't want to be red carpets and wear tuxedos. I don't want to have a million followers. Like, I just like, Living the life. Did you get a response from Global Spin? So what I heard was, okay, if you if you're not a DJ nerd, who else would fucking be listening to this? Anyway? <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so just a quick rundown. I started off. I was on Hot ninety seven for seventeen years as a DJ. Even when I became a radio personality, I always kept a mix show. I always DJed on the morning show. Yeah. When mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, like a lot of people when they're DJs and then they graduate to being a personality they just get someone else to do the dj well you were doing everything you could do any shift i yeah. remember you you were explaining that you could do almost any angie shift, yeah. shift except yeah. the one shift you said you couldn't do was case slay right yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> why, why why was it that? Was, he played <laughs> the, hood, that time, the hood shit <laughs> yeah like i wasn't that deep in the hood where he was playing like shit i never heard of yo yeah <laughs> but, but i would of. say like when i was listening to hot 97 you were the one dude that I was always looking forward to, like, you will always drop the reggae shit, and I'd be like, yeah. yo, this is the shit we got to play in the club. Well, yeah, so, you know, I started off as a as an underground backpack DJ, right? So I worked, I, I, I was, I worked at Fat Beats, famous record store in New York City, and, and I, I was, you know, late, mid to late 90s, I was all about Black Moon, and the artifacts, and Diggable planets and you know all the underground. Were you stuff. really like deep, like arsonist company flow, like no, that type of shit? No, nah? I mean company flow. Yeah, like certain joints. Like if you work at Fat Beats, Reflection Eternal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like company flow. I liked a J-Live, lot. J Live, um, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like some of it went too weird. <laughs> some of the independent <laughs> stuff. But then, so yeah, so I work. Uh, so I did that, and then I um, went on the road with Little Kim. And that's where I learned how to be like a little more mainstream. Well, I want to I want to touch on all of these. Yeah. I, I kind of want to. I do want to. I want. We have a list. We got all. Okay, got we you. got your whole resume. All right, I won't even say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I went through these different eras and always, um, always like trying to contribute more. So like when I got into all the dance hall stuff, is I like the way reggae DJs DJ parties because they were so on the mic and they were entertaining by what they were saying mm-hmm. and how they were playing music so I would try to incorporate that into hip hop so then there was an era of me where I broke all these reggae records then I go on to get the first mix show ever on a Saturday afternoon right then I get the morning show a a a New York hip hop DJ gets to be the lead mic on a morning show and I get no recognition for it. (laughs) Like, do you understand that accomplishment? Like, that's impossible. Like, those are like, that doesn't usually go to a radio, I mean, to a, like an actual DJ. It goes to like radio personalities. You know what I'm saying? And I flipped it and then I broke Rihanna, Rick Ross, Sean Paul, a whole bunch of other artists. I get no credit for that. 
Um, then when I flip it and start doing comedy, it's like, you know, like um, when DJs become producers, yeah, they're like they're, they become superstars. Like, oh, he took the next step. I flipped it and went a whole nother way, and no one gives me like my people give me credit, but not these awards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, what do you not like me or? But did they respond at all? Oh, oh, yeah. So um, apparently, so this girl Chanel, uh, Chanel's dope. She got a dope podcast her and her i forgot her friend's name but it's about moms so if there's any moms listening mom djs it's a great podcast listen to chanel the mom cast um she used to be my publicist so she said uh she reached out to someone that works for sean prez i forgot his name and he said that sean prez said oh that don't even sound like scythe <laughs> chanel probably wrote that oh, oh wow and i was like I don't even get credit for my own lyrics. <laughs> but then, you know, Camillo always wins uh, best club DJ. But you know why? Because he is a fucking dope-ass club DJ. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, did anyone hit you up like, yo, you're wilding right now? From there? From or just from in general? The, just anyone. Just like, yo, you're wilding. Like, you need yeah, to delete that comments. Now. But I think unless you're like a hip-hop nerd- you don't even care what it, who knows about the global spin awards. No disrespect, yeah. I'm saying it's for DJs. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. DJs, we're like, <laughs> we're not that interesting to people who live regular. Like they like the one aspect where we're playing their favorite songs, yeah, yeah. or yeah. rocking a party. They don't realize, like, they don't know if you're using a controller or turntables. Now or, they don't. Now, they yeah. Know. But before they knew, one hundred percent. What the fuck tables. he was doing? The crowd? Know? Yeah. No, they don't know. A girl Back doesn't know. Back in the know. day, like on, 10 man. years ago? Come on, man. No way. He was rocking on turntables. A girl Back does in... not know. 10 years ago? Nah. I mean, it was the only thing. So they know that there's something moving in a <laughs> clockwise <laughs> position, and then you can make it make right, noises. Wait, but wait. You, you're saying like the person that's just going to the club to have a good yeah, time. Yeah, I'm talking about regular civilians. They're not in the in the in the war like us, you know what I'm saying? Really? Nah, they don't know. Come on. I, I, I seen a DJ that. once. I seen uh, not a DJ. I seen a person playing music for a party, and he was playing off iTunes. I mean, Damn. that's recently though, right? Maybe like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the people don't know what we're using. They don't know about needles and slip mats and. Um, Stylus, <laughs> yeah, like no, but they could tell the difference if you scratch him when you work in the mic, pause, and then like you know you, you run live in a fantasy world. Nah, <laughs> no, they could tell the difference, yo. No way. I have, I, there's been people coming up to me, be like, yo, you still use turntables? I'm like, yeah. you know how I can? Why? Right, let's talk about this. I want to talk about the beginning, but I got to talk about my man Ross one. Yeah, right. He's part of Rock Nation and, yeah. and scam artists as well. And he happened to do the the Barclays, the title event at Barclays. Yeah. I forgot when that was last year, sometime, right? No, it was, was like two uh, years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago. Actually, it was last year. No, twenty fifteen. No, the one he's talking about was three years ago. Really, it was the first yeah. first one. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. And he just he texted me. I was supposed to go with him and check it out with him, and he just texted me. He's like, "Fam, <laughs> Sife just bodied this shit. Yo. Like, yo, I I don't even want to go on." I don't. If they even told me to go on, I wouldn't go yeah, there's on. There's no way you could go on. And I there. saw you. <laughs> and I saw you on Ebro, and yeah. you was feeling yourself. You Yo, was like crazy. Your head was crazy big, but yeah. it was like pause. And then you was just like, 
Jay came up to you after and was just like, yo, what the fuck yeah. was it? Where did that come from? What was that? For real. I wanted to, so I want to know, what was you playing? Okay, so. Like, how, what, what did you start with? Because, yo, it's like, yo, how many people were there? Because uh, I, I would have been shaking. Yeah. So, nah, I mean, I don't care. I don't care if it's one or one million. Like, it doesn't bother me. Right? Um, I, I was saying, once you get there, like, prepping is what makes me nervous. Like, if I don't have time to prep, I'm very upset. How long was your set, by the way? Just 10 minutes, okay. exactly. And what do you mean by prep? Like, like I like to look, I like to get there early, look at the type of people coming in, think about what they want to hear. A fucking start, DJ. Start pulling my songs out. And were you listening to Ross's set, kind of like, oh, he's doing No, because Ross, he played way earlier. He played in the beginning. Okay, okay. That's like set the mood type of vibe. Right, right, right. People walking it's different. in. Yeah, 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 walking in, like just getting into it. Um, mine was like hype up the crowd, and then there was only three people after me. It was Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, and Jay. So you was like right, right before the headlines. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it was it was the title concert was weird because it was the first time they ever did this type of concert where they had a lot of artists, like thirty five artists, but they would only do like two or three songs, yeah. right? Yeah. And it would be like Ti. And then it would be like a country artist. And then it would be the Flatbush Zombies. And then some other pop group. And then French Montana and Khaled. And then like, uh, uh, then Usher. Like it was all over the place. Because the whole point was like, title has all this different kind of music. And mm-hmm. a lot of artists were doing like, um, like a new song that was like, oh, brand new on title. Mm-hmm. So you didn't even know the song. So you would get excited to see your favorite artist, but they only do like two or three songs. So it was a weird vibe. Like, I'm sure if you were watching it, it's on almost your, like a showcase, like a, yeah. like an artist showcase. Right? Yeah, if you yeah. were watching it on your computer screen, it probably was dope because you got like a. But in the room, and you would get excited for your artist, but then like if you love, if you love French Khaled and Meek Mill or Rick Ross, whatever it was, and then. The guy Thomas Rhett comes on. I think he's like a country artist, right? Like, I've never heard of him. Yeah, you're gonna. You, no disrespect, but you, if you into Khaled, you probably not into Thomas Rhett, so you're gonna sit down. So my my shit was, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to bring everyone together together at one mm-hmm. time. And then what happened was, I was in the um, there was the the main stage, and then there was this circle stage in the middle of the room. And only like three or four people performed on that circle stage. Flatbush Zombies, French Montana, and Rick Ross with Khaled. And it was on the floor in the middle. And then when I got on it, it rose up like 15 feet in the air. <laughs> oh, shit. It didn't rise up for anyone else. So, so you, all of a you sudden- was like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> so already I already won- Cause it was like, whoa, that stage didn't go up all night. Why is this? Did going you up for did him? you even oh. know you were you were rising or not? Pause. No. <laughs> it just started going. I was and like, you were what? like, oh shit. Yeah. And I had um my friend Drewski with me. Shout out to Drewski. And um, so then I just got into it like you know, Brooklyn is a very particular type of place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people from Brooklyn have like a lot of pride. So everybody in the building wasn't from Brooklyn, but you know, if you get the Brooklyn people going, then it Everyone's spreads. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like an infectious. Yeah. So 
So, yeah, and I'm like literally on Atlantic Avenue, you know what I'm saying, and Flatbush. So, like, I just start yelling all my Brooklyn stuff. I think I, I started off with um the instrumental to, uh you know, dun, 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 murder. Yeah, see murder. murder. Instrumental, put your middle fingers up, and then let's just get into it. And then just ran through a bunch of joints, and I would just go in all different directions. But I also crack little jokes, you know what I'm saying? So, like, there's one part I remember I'm starting to play reggae music, so I'm like, yo, and then Brooklyn got a lot of Caribbean people. Right, of course. So I'm like, yo, if you from an island, shout which island you from, you know, and people are screaming, Jamaica, Trinidad, da, 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 and I play reggae, and then I look at this this white guy, and he's just sitting there, and he was obviously an old white man that brought his kids to this dope concert, Right. and I just screamed at him, sir. I know you live in Manhattan, and that's an island, so stand up. You know what I'm saying? And then he went, and everybody starts laughing, and he goes, and then I did my favorite record. One of my favorite DJ records of all time is Swag Surf, yo. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's a good record. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard the verse. I only need the hook. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I hit Swag Surf, and the whole, like 12,000 people just- are Swag Surf. And it, the way I do it, even if you don't know what it is, I make everyone around you show you how to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I stop it like three times. I'm like, you, you're not moving left to right fast enough, you know, and people get into it. Yeah. So it's like almost an interactive thing. And it, they was going nuts. Man. You know what I'm saying? And 10 minutes went like that. Are you amazed at how work, how, how well that record still works? Swag like, Surf? Yeah. Like are, there's records that are like timeless. Like that didn't seem like at the time that would probably be what's a timeless the guy, record. What's the name of the guy, the, the guy, what's the name of the guy on Swag Surf? Fuck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm amazed it works. Nobody, who is it? Exactly. It's just gotten paused bigger and bigger and yeah, bigger. It's like yeah. bigger now than it might have been when it came when out. It came out. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, now it catches, you know. The young kids, the young kids like yeah. learn to dance. Dances, they like, they want to do yeah. that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. They want to do all the dances. That's, that's a go to record right now. Man. Now Get I got me want to look up what the name what was of the, the artist bi- was. What was like the biggest reaction? Did you do Biggie shit? No, I, I don't, not that much because I get nervous like Jay's going to do a tribute to right, Biggie, right, right, so right. I don't want to play nothing. Yeah. He's going to play, um, I don't know. You're playing Little Kim? I don't remember. Like, no. were you going back? Were you going no, back? No, not like, really. You weren't doing like no MOP Annie Up type of shit? No, no, no. No, I don't remember now. I got to listen to it. But it was more like, more current and then probably like, a DMX song like "Party Up" or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then some reggae joints. Like I, I don't know if you ever heard this. There's a soca record called Palance. Yeah, Palance. that has a dance yeah, too. Yeah. Like they was going crazy to that. Wow, damn, that's crazy. That's the one Jay asked me about. He was like, "What's that record that they was moving left and right like that?" Damn, Palance. Yeah, yeah. I don't Mo- even know Mo- that Yeah, it's a huge fucking yeah. Oh, I try to play just party anthems. You know what I'm saying? I just try to play like. Joints that make you go nuts. I, mean, I gotta listen to it again. Yeah, we <laughs> we should actually play. Maybe we should play the set at the end of this. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Show I'll play it. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Oh, li- it's I'm gonna say the um. I don't know if it's online. I, I can think it's on title. Yeah, but the thing that bothered me the most as oh, yeah. a DJ. Now let's get into the DJ okay, aspect, yeah. right? The thing that bothered me the most is I had on the gold monster headphones. The Meek Mills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Meek Mill joint. <laughs> but I plugged in the wrong part of the wire into the headphones, the part with the little this part. Uh-huh. And 
it's this does the um what do you call this? It's the coil, the spring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to go into the mixer. So this coil part was hanging from my ear the whole time. And I'm watching it. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have turned those. <laughs> Why is it hanging from my why did I plug it in like that? That's crazy. Stupid. <laughs> I bet you all the DJs noticed that shit. Yeah, man. That's crazy. So I want to I want to go back because I want you know I've always been curious about how you got started how you started DJing yeah um, well so I lived in the Bronx and then I moved to Long Island in tenth grade and that's and, and just and, and your background by the way too I want to like what's your background your like ethnic background? yeah ethnic background. Puerto Rican Puerto Rican. Bit of, little bit of Irish <coughs> which is common in the Bronx mm-hmm. a lot of Puerto Ricans and Irish people <laughs> um. But like growing up in the Bronx, music was just there. It was like just around the park, you know, my godmother's house. Yeah, it was. It was just was part of life. I didn't know it was special. It just was until I moved to the suburbs because my mom got like the promotion and she had to move to Long Island, and then it wasn't readily accessible like it was before. There was nobody playing their boomboxes out the radio at apartment buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I started to miss it, and I was like. All right, I gotta get more into music. Now I have to go find it to to keep me close to my home. You know what I'm saying? So I watch. I started watching UMTV raps, taping in video music box, which is a, a New York local show, and then just buying like CDs, and then eventually got into like I got a turntable and started buying vinyl and all that stuff. What but was your first turntable? It was my stepfather's. It was a it was a technique. I don't was, remember the number. Was but it a belt drive? It, or was it direct? That one, that one was direct. But then I only had one. The <laughs> other one was, you know, the like the the, the consoles, the little ones with the two tape decks, the radio, oh, and a turntable wow. on top. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> a stereo system. Yeah, stereo yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know the 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 turntable, like the record. It wasn't the whole stereo unit. Wasn't even. 12 inches, like this records used to hang off the edge of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the vinyl hang up. But I figured out a way to hook that up into a mixer and I would just play the beat on that one and then scratch with the with the good turntable. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's get no so shit, man. Get no shit. Did you see something where you wanted to become a DJ? Like who, who was it that made you want to become uh, a DJ? I think at that time, so I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to be a DJ at that time. I wanted to be a producer. So it was, I wanted to be Premier, Pete Rock, Clark Kent, those type of guys. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought you had to be a DJ to be a producer. So I was like, because all of them would, would I mean, it helps DJs. DJs. Yeah. 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 You know, when you first, you don't know what's what when you first start out. So I was like, oh, I guess if you want to make beats, because it's DJ Premier, DJ Pete Rock. I guess you have to be a DJ. But isn't that important because digging digging like records, digging was like a big part of yeah, that yeah. shit. But yeah, there's a lot know? of producers who weren't DJs. And there's a lot of DJs who don't come become producers. Yeah. But at the time I didn't know. Like my favorites just so happened to be DJs. So mm. I was like, oh, you must have to be a DJ to make beats. So I was like, I better start learning how to DJ. Yeah. And then um and then because as I was buying turntables, I was also trying to buy like samplers and Four tracks and all that. Type what was of your shit. first sample? The Gemini joint? The Gemini one. The, the, tw- the big the button. The 12 second joint? Yeah, 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 the yeah. big button. 
on with the like the four banks and the mad channel. And I even had a um. You remember the you know what the flash former is? Nah, oh, shit, man. you know the flash former. I haven't heard that in years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Flash former was Grandmaster Flash made this box, and it was like it was like technically on an old mixer. It would be the mic line switch. Yeah, I mean yeah. not the mic line. Is it mic line? The phono. The yeah, phono line, line switch. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know how Premiere would scratch yeah, with the yeah, phone. Yeah. So he made like this box that you hook up to your mixer, and it was just basically an on and off switch, like a transformer. Yeah, so you could transform mm. faster, and it had two buttons, a left and right. Like when you press it, it would mute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's bad. I still got it, yo. No way. I still got it. Does it still uh, work? It works, yeah. Oh, but it used to be in the back of the Source magazine, like the Flashformer. You didn't yeah, need I mean, it, like I don't remember that shit. If you see it, if you see it, yeah, you might recognize it. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so so I had, wait, wait, were you in high school at this time? Or yeah, high school, tenth grade, tenth grade, in a white high school, like a suburban Long so Island. So you high was school. like, like up there in the like the Bronx, like around Fieldston, like around there. Fieldston. What are those schools? You know what I'm talking about? That's like the last stop on. No, the- I wasn't that far. <sighs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about the those schools that were like in the Bronx, but they were like on the edge of the Bronx before it hit. You talking like, about like Mount St. Michael's? Something oh, like St. that. St. Raymond's? Nah, there was a there was it a. It sounds like you're talking about a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Way up in the hills of the Bronx. I lived in like Pelham Parkway area, Fordham Road, Gun Hill Road. Not the South Bronx, but not. I wasn't in Mount Vernon. Come on now. <laughs> and then yeah then I moved to like straight suburb life super Levittown Long Island that's a big difference yeah. wow super big but at least wow. I wasn't like at least I could still take the train to my old neighborhood like I would go on the weekends and stuff where did yeah. the name uh, Cypher Sounds come from uh, it's like a, it was like a, you know 5%ers are yeah, yeah. So I got into like, especially in the '90s, every rapper was like. 5%. I was just, I was just telling these dudes because they didn't know what the fuck five percent was. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, East Coast. Even when I was growing up, like motherfuckers didn't eat pork. Yeah. Even if you weren't on some five percent of shit, yeah. you just heard just so much brand so new bands. Like, yeah. Brand new bands. <laughs> Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. Like the Malcolm, Kim. the Malcolm X movie. Everyone, yeah. read, Kim Shabazz. Like, you know? all yeah. Everyone was just like, yo, you you gonna eat pork, man? Like it was just like no one ate pork. <laughs> And then for me and Jamie growing up in the West Coast, we really we really didn't know. I kind of knew no. about it because of Ice Cube. Oh yeah, that's the only one. But it was yeah, like, but you know about the Nation of Islam. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. The Five Percent Nation is basically the same. A lot of the same teachings of the Nation of Islam without the religion. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's the lessons, it's like and the knowledge. Yeah, yeah, but but they took the the mystery religion out of it. There's no God in the sky. Mm-hmm. They would say the black man is God. Like you're God. Yeah, so inside no, of like, you, Quran. There's no like, yeah, like no, no book that you read to like look for scriptures. No, there's, that. there's the lessons though, the okay. supreme alphabet, supreme mathematics. Uh-huh. Like you know when people say peace, God. You yeah. ever heard like turn? That's yeah, a New yeah, York yeah. term. That's five percent of talk. Okay. And like when you ever heard, you heard Ghostface when he goes, I forget what song, but he's like, yo, see a law rule. You remember <laughs> see that? <laughs> That's five percent of talk. It's yeah, spelling. Yeah. He's spelling car. Yeah, I just C is. C, Allah's A, rule is R. But you remember those dudes that were like memorized the like yeah the, all the, the lessons, shit, but they didn't really, it didn't like they didn't understand it. Nah, because a lot of motherfuckers I would talk to, they would just kind of regurgitate the yeah. shit to me. They I don't I don't remember the lessons, but I remember yeah. I was just like yo. 
they'd be like, yo, man, like one man is, there's no two man, there's one man. Yeah. And it's like, are you one man? And I'd be like, well, what does that mean? Fam, don't you, yo, what, don't are question you one me. man? Yeah, they, just like, they just keep repeating this shit over. And I'm like, yo, man, I, I don't get I don't get it. Like, you got to explain this shit to yeah. me, man. So the, the, but you the still follow man. that to this day? I follow the lessons of it. I'm not part of the organization. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the whole thing about it is like before I found 5% of Wait, I, how, did you, wait, how did you find that? Like Just through the music. Well, okay. I read Malcolm X autobiography. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a lot of the terms, because he's from he was talking about the nation of Islam, a lot of the terms were the same words Brand Nubian was saying in the records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was the same thing. And then I I learned from there. So then I would hear um, you know, Brand Nubians, Wu Tang, uh Rakim, a bunch of other rappers talking about this shit. And then I would I would try to learn more about it. And then like there'd be an article in the source one month, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or one of them other magazines, or they'd like they'd be interviewing like Grand Poobah and he'd be like, Yeah. Um and like one song on the Brand Nubian album is the Lord Jamal solo song. And he's like, I think it's called Dance to My Ministry. Mm-hmm. And everything yeah. he's talking about is five percent of everything. And then the second Brand Nubian album, like they got extra hardcore yeah. into it. <laughs> but wow. the first the the Grand Poobah song, what was it? Uh The Sunshine? Yeah. yeah. Oh that yeah, all that. That was the big wake, one. Wake up. Wake up, wake yeah, up. Yeah, all that is about five percent. That shit yeah. but that shit made me so curious about it yeah. that I actually read Malcolm X and all of that. Yeah, like the symbol of the five percent nation is a sun. Yeah. So that's why it's like everybody loves the sunshine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yo, that that album altogether was pretty yeah. fucking one one for all was fucking amazing, man. Yeah. It made everybody curious about five yeah. percent yeah. and the whole Muslim shit. Yeah. Damn. But the name though. How did the yeah. name? Oh, so <laughs> cipher is a is a five percent word. Uh-huh. It means three hundred and sixty degrees. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, records are three hundred and sixty degrees. They go around and tapes. Go over. It's some real nerd shit right yeah, there. <laughs> and samples, samples are loops, yeah. and they go around in three hundred sixty degrees. So, as that, so I was like, oh, that's my name, Cipher, and then I just put sounds on it to add like you know music element yeah. to it. That's so it's a stupid crazy. name. It sucks. No, 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 what do you no, mean? So still got my it. name. My <laughs> name. Because my there was a point where I wanted to change it, but I was already too deep. Yeah. Because yeah. the name gets butchered. People call me Cipher, Chipper. Nah, Chippa? So far, who the fuck yeah. Chippa's wild. <laughs> they don't Chippa's know what it means. Wild. Yeah, I got all types of things. I've been to like Germany and my name will be on the marquee and it's like C H I P H A. I'm like, oh, jeez. So, yo, you were DJing, you were learning your shit. What was your first party? Was it, was it just like high school shit? High school party. And remember, I tell you, I went to a very white high school. So, there was some kids who were into hip hop. Yeah. But not all of them. <laughs> and they let me DJ. There was like a like the uh, dance or some shit. Yeah, there was like a there was like a like you know one of them wedding type DJs. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And he was the first guy I ever saw playing um, with CDs. Like this is like late nineties or really? no early nineties. He was playing with CDs, and um, he wasn't even mixing them. He would just it would like start to fade out. Yeah. And then he would just play the next song off a of CD. And then I, I got on and I started playing Onyx and Black Moon. <laughs> and then they scared, you know, scared probably kids. like 20, 25 minutes and they were and people just was like walking away. Damn. <laughs> it was like five white kids like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they kicked me off. 
So that was yeah, the first part. So, so how did this all evolve into like Hot ninety seven? And then so yeah, so I uh, so I was DJing, like DJing to produce. Okay, never thought about doing parties or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was all like I just wanted to learn how to scratch like premiere. Yeah, I would just practice hours and hours and hours of every gangstar hook. I would find the record that he used to to scratch, mm-hmm. and then um. And then I would uh, just practice the premiere. But even even to this day, though, if we talk about premiere, right? Yeah. There's no one on like a hip hop song that I don't know that strategized the like the patterns of scratching. No. As well as he did. No, he made it. It was like a. It was so masterful, right? It was like almost like a jazz musician on a trumpet. Like everything. Well, it's perfect. It's very much noted on my famous podcast, Juan Epstein. There's two (laughs) premieres. I only like the first one. The first premiere where he would take one phrase or one sound and cut that into with like like you're saying like a jazz musician like he it perf- would make he it perfected it in daily operation, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfected it. Then later on as premiere started producing for outside people, it was 80,000 sample scratches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He know, I told him to his face, I don't like that one. <laughs> I don't I like this premiere. Take it perk. Take it personal. Take take it per per take take it personal. I don't like this premiere. Oh, it's all hip hop. Get get down as we go around <laughs> on the block block. <laughs> Yo, we shut it down down. Living the life, hip hop. <laughs> I just missed the one phrase. There's one song. There's one song where he's just taking a James Brown, <laughs> right? And he's like, <laughs> like that shit is crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I think X Girl to the Next Girl was like the craziest shit. I would just listen to that over and over again. What's that one again? Uh, the girls look so oh, yeah. good. The slow, slow yeah. oh. the girls look so good. When the when the horns first yeah. hit and he's just going chick 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 chick. I was like. I, I totally feel you on that, boss. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, listen, I love Premier to death, man. He, he's my idol. He's a he's legend. The best. Yeah. He just, you know, you got, <laughs> you got too many samples, bro. <laughs> many knowing, samples. knowing what you know out, know now. Would you say that DJs make the best producers? Uh, I yeah. I mean, they're definitely my favorite ones. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got Pete Rock, Premier, Dre. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. who's better than that? I don't think Pharrell was a DJ though. No, nah, well, yeah, but so Pharrell either. was a drummer. Yeah. Pharrell, yeah, so it's all about the rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Keeping the yeah. keeping uh-huh. the rhythm. Jermaine Dupree was also a DJ. And he's yeah, a Jermaine was a uh, a DJ. What you, uh, so you were saying you were trying to perfect the premiere. You were trying to be like yeah a producer. Right, right. Okay, so then um so yeah, I was just you know I've a couple of little local rappers trying to record demos, whatever records, trying to scratch, and then um I went. This kid I knew, I don't even remember his name. He he did a beat for some kids and they made a song and they went to bring it to the college radio station, WBAU. And I went with them just to hang out. And I met Wildman Steve. And then DJ Riz did the mix show part. Shout out to and, you, Riz. And DJ Riz, from that moment on, I was just like, yo, how, how can I come here every week? Yeah. Like, what do I got to do? I work for free. Can I get you food? Can I answer the phones? Whatever I got to do. 
And he's like, yeah, you should come back next week. He's like, you can answer the phones. Like, don't be annoying. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, don't be like bothering the, the guests that come up. Yeah. And f- I, every Wednesday, I would just go up there. Every Wednesday, Wild Man Steve show and DJ Riz. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw DJ Riz cutting up, he was cutting up uh, Beat Nuts, Reign of the Tech. Yeah. And the way he was bringing it in, I was, I was, I was like, holy, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then um, then I asked Riz if I could go with him to clubs, like help him out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah. He didn't have a car. So I'd be like, yo, I'll pick you up and drive you to the city, drive you to your gigs. He was like, yeah. So then I just started hanging out with Riz. Okay. So th- this was back in the day when, like, if you were an upcoming DJ, yeah. you would be, what, what would they used to call him? Not the Crate Boy. The Crate Carrier. Nah, but the, it was- like Apprentice? Was it, was, the was bathroom, it, did he call him an intern? The bathroom Not bathroom? an intern, no. But they were just, like, how many crates did Riz have? Uh, Riz probably had like five or six. Five or six. Yeah. He would need a ride. So every DJ needed a ride. Yeah. yeah. And then they needed like maybe two or three homies yeah, to help them with the crates. The crates. Yeah. Sometimes it was yeah. just me and him. Sometimes you got to do two, you know, we carry two, <laughs> two crates. crates. Yeah. And, yeah. and what spots he was going to? Uh, the first there. club I ever went to was Don Hill. Oh, yeah. Don Hill. I've spun there before. Yep. And I remember. Wait, um, wait where was that? It's on. Um, it's like it was all in the west side. Oh, yeah, it's like near the west side of Highway Spring in like Washington or something. One of them back blocks. Yes. Um, it's right near High Ninety Seven. That's how I know because I always pass it. Like to this day, I go. I pass the building. I'm wow. Like that's the first club. He used to do the limelight. Mm-hmm. He used to so the limelight. So back in the day in New York, there wasn't a lot of hip hop clubs, especially on the weekends. They wouldn't let you do hip hop on the weekends. Like the limelight, the tunnel, the palladium, they were playing like house music or techno music. What, what was this, like 94, 94? This is 96. 96. 96. Mid 90s. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be a hip hop room though, right? So like in the limelight, the main floor was like some crazy techno shit, house, whatever. Yeah. And people were drugged up with the glow sticks and all this crazy shit. But then they, there was this room called the chapel. And that was like the hip hop room. And it was still like three, four hundred people. You know what I'm saying? It was still like a dope club. Was that the room where you had to um, climb the ladder to get to yes, the DJ booth? The ladder was I DJ'd there once. Straight up. And I hated that shit because yeah. I had to carry my case. Yeah, you got to carry the crates. Walk up. up the fucking ladder to get to the DJ That's booth. Crazy. It's way better nowadays, but I don't understand how they make DJ booths. Why they did that? They did not yeah. care about the DJ. Like, <laughs> not at all, man. <laughs> like, I have to bring five crates up this. Straight up ladder. That was the worst, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, I started, you know, and then Riz, you know, I asked if I could open up. I asked the promoter, like, can I open up for Riz? And uh, then they said, yeah. So I got a job at the Limelight and just playing from when nobody was there until like 11 30, 12. And then Riz would get on and I stay there all night. You know what I mean? Did you know how to open? Um, yeah, because well, I learned from Riz. I learned everything from Riz because he used to open for Flex at the tunnel on Sunday. Mm. So was that your first time going to the tunnel when you would roll with Riz yeah. when he opened for Flex? Yeah, that's how I got the job. It's crazy. Um, yeah, but like he taught me how to open. Like, yo, you can't play the hits. You gotta play like old school or classics or records that they don't. Mm-hmm. Not the hits that they right. play right now. That's the art. That's the art. It's a, it's yeah. a crazy art. That's the art. Definitely, yeah. And 
I've we forgotten would, art too. We yeah, we talk about it all the time, and yeah. it's you rarely find an opener who who has the musical knowledge. Yeah, and they they just they're almost feeling like it's an early audition. Yeah, like they're hoping the manager hears them. And it's yeah, like, but man, they you ruin it. They ruin the whole night. But they don't realize yeah. that, man. I know. We go yeah. through that actually a lot in all Vegas. In Vegas yeah. all the time, man. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Sure. But what do you do? Do you tell them? Nah. <laughs> I've, I've actually told them I got <laughs> I in trouble that. by what the manager. Mean? Like the manager got, got mad at me. For what? Telling the opener? Yeah. <laughs> because, because I put it like this. Uh, the opener is there three times a week. Right. He's cool with the manager. He's cool with the whole right, staff. Right, right, so he's like one of the staff. Right, right, right. So the right. fact that I went up to him, yeah, it was like, oh, like, you know, cro- crooked's, you know, like harassing the staff. He's right. harassing. So like my manager got an email like, yo, like <laughs> we don't want this kind of person here. Right. And I'm like, yo, I didn't, the man played an intro for himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, it's, that shit is crazy. Yeah, they when don't you, know, man. When you're playing an intro for yourself at 1145 or something. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I mean, back to the yeah. So back I, to learned, your shit, I so. learned from Riz, thank yeah. God. And then, um, then Riz used to open for Flex, and then he was blowing up on his own. He didn't want to open up anymore, so I got to do the job, and I opened up for Big Cap, and then Cap would open. So it would be so they used to let five hundred girls free in at the tunnel every Sunday, so the girls would be lined up eight. 30, son. 8.30. So they wanted to open the door and get these girls in there to start drinking or whatever. So they were like, yo, we're going to start opening at 9 instead of 10. So be here at 9. You're going to play till 10. And then Big Cap's going to show up. He's going to play until Flex gets on. And so I play at 9, play to like 10, to like three, 400 girls. Like how, much, a, how much did you get paid? Probably like 200 bucks, if that. If that, and you bring what, like two crates? Uh, no, I'll still bring four, just four. in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case he was ready to headline too. Yo, that, how did that DJ booth look, man? The tunnel DJ booth? Yeah, there were all those crates and shit. Was it? Oh yeah, there was a lot of crates. <laughs> yeah, you got well when when Flex came, you had to just close your crates, and he and, put his shit on top. Of yeah, it? well, yeah, you put yours on the floor, or they or they would put it on top. He came in with like ten crates, right? He uh, he had five. Five. Five is a pretty much a standard, right? think so yeah. yeah four or five i think we was doing like three crates in one bag yeah yeah, yeah. we were yeah. trying to consolidate yeah but yeah they never know <laughs> so then um so then cap would start coming later oh they got somebody opening oh and then he got 10 30 10 45 11 so i would get to play longer and longer every week and then flex came early because flex was also like the promoter you know what I'm saying? He wasn't just a DJ. It was like his party. Yeah, yeah. So he would be there early doing the business or whatever. And he heard me play. And he was just like, how he first treated me, Flex was like, yo. He told the, his manager, yo, when he's done, tell him get out the booth. Damn. <laughs> Damn, I'm son. Flex is big on that son and a DJ shit. But now I realize he, you know, he was he's seeing if you built for this. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And then eventually I got to stay in the booth. And then eventually he asked me to intern for him at the radio station. No, no, but there's a, I remember like, I forgot if he said it, but, or you were telling a story, but you would be opening. Yeah. And he just kind of come up and you just play maybe a song that he never heard. Yeah. And on he the shoulder? 
He'd see, he just see you play whatever, and he yeah. just kind of look and be like, yo, what's that? No, yeah. And he would even take your record? No, he would put, we call it the shoulder, right? <laughs> so you DJing, and you playing a new joint, and then all of a sudden, you would feel his hand on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, what's that? <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, man. He's like, yo, don't play that next week. <laughs> <laughs> Which song in particular? Uh, did that to? The, um... I know one of them was the, uh, it was a, the, uh, I think it was Lost Boys, Lifestyles of the Rich and Shameless oh, Remix. Wow. Remix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was only on the promo vinyl or it was, uh, what was the, do you remember that one, Jamal? What was the, the producer? No, not, no, it was the remix. Someone else did it. Huh? Yeah, Mr. Sex. Mr. Sex East Coast remix. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. He was like, and like the all the Queens kids would be like, ooh. So I'd be like, Yo, what's that? What's that? Yo, don't play that next week. Matter of fact, give me yours. Yeah, he would take this shit, right? Because right? he would tell you, give me yours, and then go to the label next week and go pick up more and say it's for me. The but, big dog pitbulls record yeah. pool. Yeah. Yeah, that's you crazy. I was, I was a member of that pool. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. What was one of the most legendary nights at the tunnel for you? Oh, Dre and Snoop. Dre and Snoop. Jamal said it about yeah. Jamal's his home. No, the, 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 <laughs> the, um, I mean, listen. Paint is that picture, though. J- uh, listen, there was nights. There was the Clue album release where Jay-Z, Dame Dash, the whole Rockefeller, they didn't even go on stage. They were just in a DJ booth. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Dupri and Jay-Z performing Money Ain't a Thing. People were hanging off the rafters. Um, DMX coming through is crazy. Uh, there was, you know, sometimes no... Okay, you want to know a crazy night? I saw Mike Tyson, Charles Oakley, Puff Daddy, and Donald Trump Dude, all what? come in together what the fuck? in full-length white minks. No. What? They came from some event. They were all hanging out. Donald Trump. Donald. <laughs> Donald Trump, Trump was in the, in in the, the tunnel wow. grabbing asses. With Mike Tyson. Yeah. Mike, Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. That's crazy. Yo. And then um, there was some crazy, you know, there was CNN, locks. They always killed in a tunnel. Mm-hmm. But what was that? But that Dre and Snoop. Snoop, man. They, I mean, the anticipation for them, because- all the East Coast, West Coast nonsense. Right, wait, 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 wait. What, what, what was when this was this like after Deep Cover? When was this? No, this is um, this is later. like this is later. This Gin is and like, Juice. No, this is um, Chronic Two Thousand One. Chronic Two Thousand One. Ninety Nine. Yeah, yeah, might have. Yeah, I'm trying to think if it was before the. I think they were getting ready to go on the Up and Smoke tour. So Damn. yeah, son, it was crazy, <laughs> and they like. All this East Coast, West Coast beef, all this shit going down. Now, it had to be later because Biggie got killed in what, 97? 97. So, yeah, it had to be like 99, 2000. 2001 got released, 99. Yeah. So, probably 98-ish? No, it was after it was out already because we knew (laughs) the songs. So, it was like explosive, next episode, all that shit. Still Dre, all that shit, right? Now you're making me forget. I feel like it was 99. Jamar, yeah. do you know? He said 99. It had to be. I got the tape somewhere. The what? 
Yeah, so then they, but then they came in, they thought, like, people would get scared of the tunnel because they heard all these stories. Yeah. Stories were real. I'm about to say. <laughs> stories were real. There was some crazy shit going on in the tunnel, but people, we just wanted to see the artists, you know what I'm saying? And everyone loved Dre and Snoop, even beyond all of East Coast, West Coast beef. Like, it was never the music, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we always played West Coast music, always. You know what I'm saying? We played Hit Em Up in the tunnel. Shit. Like this is the this is so I was talking we we were talking to my boy Momo from Queens last yeah. week and I'm from Manhattan uh Nevis from the Bronx. When you say Manhattan, where are you from? I was in the Upper West Side. Upper West. So upper you're West. Jewish. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean <laughs> Jewish. It was, it was like Puerto Rican and Jewish. It was like okay. mixed. And then But you look Asian. I'm I'm uh, <laughs> Korean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that Asian? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then but <laughs> so then wait you're from like like the 90s or 100s or something yeah, like that I'm, I'm from the same building as Cur- Curious George oh okay remember Curious George yeah. and Cotty you know T.I. used to be up there did you ever hear that story T.I. the like, reason why T.I. raps the way he raps is because he spent his summers in New York oh shit with his pops in that neighborhood Damn. so if you ever realized like he he's definitely from Atlanta he's definitely from the yeah, south yeah. But when T.I. really raps, he's, raps, he's lyrical. Right. Yeah, he yeah. said he got that because he spent summers in New York. So Damn. like we used to have, we're like right around the corner from the Go Park. Yeah. So the Go Park, they used to have the Rocksteady jams and yeah, shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And then there was just like, you know, there was, I don't know if you know Eli Escobar. Mm-hmm. It's another DJ. He would live in my building. So like yeah. we would see a bunch of motherfuckers just coming in and out of the building. Yeah. And yeah. it was just a spot to like hang out at and shit like that. But- we were talking about Tupac, and for some reason, for me, as I, he was a obviously he was a like a a big figure, you know, like when Juice came out, yeah, that shit was crazy. We all loved Pac. Yep. Uh, I get around even like the first trap, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole. But when it started moving towards like the death row shit, like we wasn't really fucking with that. I wasn't. I like we weren't. Like I would come back to the block, and no one, no one was listening to that shit. Well, because he was talking crazy about us. But musically, but music. But I'm saying, like, we were you listening? Like, I wasn't you, listening to pop. We weren't pumping those. that shit. Like yeah. the mock, like the all Marco eyes Valley. on me. We weren't doing that shit. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall that. It got bigger after because yeah. my boy yeah. from Queens was telling me that yo, like, I mean, he was just telling me like, yo, Pac was the goat in Queens. Right. Yeah. Oh, like, really? He, he affected like. He was saying cent. that, you know, he affected 50 Cent, Ja Rule, like that mm. was on Pac. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Jersey. Jersey, Jersey. loves Pac. I mean, because of Tretch, too. Him and Tretch. There was really definitely, good. I yeah, did yeah. some parties right. in Jersey. Right. Really close. I did some parties in Newark and people were like, yo, play more Pac. And I'm like, I only got, I got, I get around. <laughs> <laughs> I but right, I, you, I mean, it wasn't until like, I would say the later, like the around the later mid 2000s. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually came to the West Coast when I moved to Vegas in 2005 mm-hmm. that I was actually playing Pac sets. Yeah. Like hit him up, America's Most. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, fucking Ambitions of a Rider, yeah, doing course. those shits. Yeah. But like, I don't, motherfuckers, we weren't doing no, that. Like we weren't that. doing that shit anymore. But you know who put me on to Pac? Junior Mafia. Ooh. I know that sounds crazy, but- not really, nah. I, I would do shows. I was Little Kim's DJ, so I was always around C's and Trife and all what that. What year was that? When did Machiavelli come out? 96. Yeah, 96. Okay. And 
they will yo Machiavelli came out and they would play it in the car on the way to the airport. We would fly to wherever we were going. We would get in the limo, go into the hotel, playing Machiavelli. And I'm like, he's talking about you in this song. <laughs> he's talking about you, C's. How can you listen to this? And they were like, yo, the mu- yo, music's hot. That's you like crazy. the music. Yeah, man. Yo, I remember one time we went to Florida. We did a, a uh, an event uh, at a at a Indian reservation, the Seminole reservation, and the the event was the next day. But we we had to go in early because Kim was coming from somewhere else. I think L.A. She was doing a video shoot or something, so we had to go a day early and then wait for her. Yo, we was in this crazy, crazy bum ass motel, and <laughs> there was dudes riding around in pickup trucks. Blasting Machiavelli, just circling the hotel. What? Yeah, Damn. <laughs> yeah. Was you was you shook a little. I bit. wasn't because nobody knew who I was. So they used to like be like, "Yo, Sype, go get us. You know, you gotta go get us food or whatever." Or like, we ordered food and I had to go downstairs to the front desk and get it. And nobody like, "Yo, y'all with Junior Mafia?" I'd be like, "Orale, no, I know with Junior Mafia." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I'm, I'm Mexican out of nowhere." <laughs> Yo, scary scary days, yo. But they put me on to Pac, yo. That's crazy. That's How would it be playing Hit Him Up in the tunnel? Like, well, it- yeah, man. It was crazy. Like, yeah. like I remember Doo-Wop, this DJ Doo-Wop. He used to do the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Big, yeah. big. I yeah. mean, New York DJ. Yeah, super yeah. dope mixtape DJ. And he his talk game was spectacular. And he would play Hit Him Up. And then he would talk some shit and then play Who Shot Ya. You know what I'm saying? And the crowd would go. Bananas. Yo, Pac, I love you, man. We fuck with you, but you know, you can't be talking that shit. So no one, was, no one was ever like crazy angry about that shit, about the Pac shit when he was just talking Especially crazy. Especially the tunnel. I, I mean, yeah, but some people were, but then it didn't affect like the, the people, like the hood people, like all that shit, all that East Coast, West Coast shit was like big in the, in the media because they were like, oh, these rappers are talking about each other and they're threatening each other. Like, yeah, that's what rappers do. Like, we was used to it. This one just blew up on a national level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would play disc records all the time back and forth. South Bronx and the Bridge. Like, you play those records together mm-hmm. next to each other and you don't ever go, oh, how could you play that if you're from the Bronx? Like, <laughs> that's true. It's a classic record. Well, probably back then it was But the media made though. media made the East Coast, West Coast be so more like... You were so conscious about it. It was like in the in the atmosphere, you know. Mm-hmm. But we played them in the hood. I feel like we skipped some. So like this, we're we're we talking about the tunnel. But like, how did you get to? Where in that did you get to become Little Kim's DJ? Um, how I was did, like around. She the same heard time. you. No, um, Flex's manager Jessica became my manager. Oh, Jessica Rosen. Yeah, Rosenblum. Yeah, yeah Stressica. Mm-hmm. OG, so, OG, Stressica. Um, <laughs> that was her name, Stressica. Yeah. So uh, they asked, she managed a bunch of DJs. So they asked to, you know, who could go on the road with Kim. But this is Kim, like right before the album came out, like right after Junior Mafia. She had not even she didn't even have a single yet. She was going on the road with Junior Mafia songs and a couple of R and B records that she did like verses on, mm-hmm. you know. So she did Get Money, Get Money Remix, Player's mm-hmm. Anthem, Player's Anthem Remix, um, a couple other Junior Mafia songs, and then Little C's and all the other Trife and them was, they would do their verses. 
and then uh, a couple R&B records, and then no, uh, what was the first thing? No Time would come out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we started doing that, and then the album came out, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, Yo, how, how, like, how was it working with Little Kim? Little Kim was back weird. then. I mean, it was it was rough because it was great, but it was rough because they were all family. Uh-huh. They all they basically all lived in Biggie's house. Right. Like going to do a show was like whatever. They already woke up at the same time, ate cereal together. It was just all a day's work. I had to like I was like the outsider that had to go meet them. Yeah. So and I wouldn't say they had respect for the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, I remember, because this is turntable days. Yeah. Okay, instrumental on one side. It, hopefully the instrumental had the hook. If not, you had to like play the vocal version on the other turntable. And when the hook came on, you had to move it over. Oh, play shit. Play the hook. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the, some, we were in bullshit, shitty clubs in Virginia and North Carolina and shit. So the turntables would be jumping and they'd be like, yo, DJ, you fucking up the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, everybody say fuck the DJ. Damn. But I'm like, I came with you. <laughs> I came with you. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, it was good. It was I w- fun. I want to talk about a legendary moment you had in the in the tunnel when you broke this song. Okay, here we go. Hopefully it plays. <laughs> That's not the one, though. It's not the quiet song? It is. It's the remix. Just look up. No, it was that one. Look up. See if it has Quiet Storm demo. What? It was, nah, it's, on, it was, it's on iTunes, bro. You just, uh, <laughs> when it was called White Lines. Yeah, White Lines. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, tell us that story. Since the fucking audio fucked up. So, well, you didn't even play the, you didn't even play the beat. No one even knows what you just heard raindrops. <laughs> Yo, the, um, yeah, I heard, uh, uh, tell both stories. Okay. To I don't know what both stories are. Thanks, We Jamal. need to get Jamal a seat over here. <laughs> <in the mic. laughs> so I was in a studio. So Flex, this is before everyone had Pro Tools. Are we? Is this boring? Are we Not good? Are, we good? Oh, are you crazy? You dropping, <laughs> you dropping knowledge this right like, now, This man. is like my whole childhood. Yeah. <laughs> You're so like bringing Flex. truth. It's like, yo, this is crazy. So Flex, this is before everyone had Pro Like right now, you can open your computer and edit any song, take the curses out, right? Right. Yeah. You can use... 10 different programs. Back then, we didn't have that. So to clean a song, it took a lot. right? Yeah, but no, but there was like, someone at the radio station would have to like, there was like a a digital program, but only a couple guys knew how to use it or whatever. So Flex sent me to the studio one day, and he gave me all his favorite album cuts to do clean versions. Like uh, Verbal Intercourse, Nas, Mob Deep, yeah, Raekwon, um, or... uh, 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 it ain't no fun, Snoop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like records like that. Yeah. And he gave me like 40 records, and he booked studio time, and I just went with this engineer, and I was just going through all the songs with this engineer to do the clean versions. And next door, Prodigy was next door, and all day, all I heard was like, why? Is this nigga listening to White Lines <laughs> slow down all day, yo? And then, uh, so I knock on the door, and he was, I'm like, "Yo, what you doing in here?" He's like, "Yo, I'm working on a, uh, I'm working on my solo album." I'm like, "You doing a solo album? Oh shit!" So he didn't even have no verses on it yet, just the beat playing over and over. And then a couple months later, 
I was in the record shop and you know those remember those bootleg records yeah, that, yeah, yeah. they'd be like four different songs like on, killer cuts uh, yeah killer yeah. cuts <laughs> so I found one of those and it said white lines prodigy or white lines mob deep and I was like white lines yeah. oh shit I wonder if that's the song and I put it on it was the song but it wasn't mixed the the the, the drums were mad loud mm-hmm. I still have the demo version that's why I call it the demo version and uh the drums were mad loud and I played it in the tunnel. I would just play it every week, every week. And one time, this kid that worked at Loud Records came up to me. And it was starting to gain traction. Like People right. were like liking the song. And this kid, Chris Green from Loud Records, comes up to me and goes, yo, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, yo, this, this Prodigy song. He goes, it's, he goes, Havoc on it? I'm like, I don't think Havoc's on it. <laughs> so, and then like he said he brought it to the label. And everyone got crazy. Like, they were like, what is this? He's like, yo, they playing this in the tunnel. And it's Prodigy he's for his solo album. So then they, I guess he scrapped it and they made it a Mob Deep record. Because Havoc's only on the hook. Well, who produced it? Havoc did. Havoc produced it. But it Damn. was for, 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 for just a Prodigy. And then, um, so then they put Havoc on the hook just to just to have him on it. To make it a and, Mob Deep record. Yeah, and it made him, became a Mob Deep record. Jeez. But then, and then Kim got on it and be, that's it. It went... It was already crazy, but then it went super it Took crazy. it to another level. I don't remember the second story. The R&B guys. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was the second story. <laughs> <laughs> That's the B side. <laughs> so then uh, you ever heard... Uh, uh, sh- this is a DJ. Oh, fuck. It was a group called In Essence. Okay, in essence, a kind of you will never find. That's the record. You'll yeah, never you find. will never find evidence, right? Yeah, you will never that's find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Flex, remember Flex's first albums were just loud beats. Yeah, hey, can you take that? Yeah, yeah of course. The, um, Flex, Flex albums were just loud beats, loud records, because mm-hmm. that's what the he label on, he was on. Yeah, yeah. He would just take instrumentals and get people to rap over them. Mm-hmm. So he used to make me loop all the records, like loop certain records so like so-and-so could rhyme on it so uh so we were in a studio and i looped quiet storm and the guy that worked for flex paul knotts was i guess trying to man he found these kids from toronto and he was like yo let them sing on this and they sing on a song you'll never find another lover like mine yo that became new york club big classic yo yeah classic and then I mean, years and years, that record was like just an underground. They were from Canada? The vinyl. Yeah, they're from Toronto. I, I never knew that. Yep. I thought wow. they were from New York. Yep. Wow. They, For well, some reason, I thought they were from Harlem. No, they say we were, we were uh, um, I was at 233rd and White Plains. Yeah, yeah, that's the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of their uncles lived in the Bronx, and that's where they were staying when they went in New York. So um, then Puff or somebody from Bad Boy heard that record. And they were like, and they made the remember the one twelve, the one twelve mm-hmm. record. Yep. Oh. So, Global Spin Awards. Hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, That's man. crazy. Yeah. So yeah, but that record to this day, yo, still rocks. Yeah. So you was Definitely. with you was with Flex. Yeah. You was, he was like your number two, right? Huh? Kind of, he was like your number two. You was like you was like kind of right. I was hand his man. number two. Yeah. Yeah. Like his right hand man. Yep. And he was on the radio at this time, so he yeah. brought you to the radio? Yeah. He Well, he was just a DJ. Yeah. 10 to 12. And then they gave him- Who was the personality with him? 
uh, he was his own personality, but it would okay. be it was Angie mm-hmm. from two to um, two to five, two right? to two to ten. No, I'm sorry. God damn. No, what was Angie? She was like, no. Angie was nights. I'm sorry. Angie was nights. Angie was, she was the six jam? to ten. Okay. Angie was six to ten. Two to ten was crazy. And then, um, and then so they they made a. Hold on. No, this is not right. (laughs) No, this is not right. This can't be right. Because Angie was on the radio with Flex. I don't remember exactly, but they gave Flex his own personality slot, seven to ten. So that changed radio altogether. Radio was always was that when he was dropping. Was that yeah? That's where the bomb, the came, bomb from. came from. Yeah, but radio always was. Uh, morning show was six to ten. Midday was ten to at, two. At two. that time, it was afternoon. Ed, was it Ed Lover? Yeah, Ed Lover was Ed morning Lover. show. Yeah. Then then afternoons was two to six, and then nights was six to ten. And then Mr. C was always twelve to one, right? That was yeah, but that was later. Yeah. That was oh, okay. Later. Yeah, he didn't come on at that time. So then they wanted to give Flex the 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 night shift. But he, I don't think he wanted to do it from six. So they created, they made Angie go longer, like an extra hour, like three to seven. No, middays went longer. So Angie went three to seven. This changed radio format. Everybody was like, really? you can't do it at three? It's supposed to be at two. Ah, shut up. So then Flex <laughs> became a, a personality from seven to 10. And he needed somebody to help him, like, set up the records and all that. So he hired me. Or not hired me. Just I was an intern. And I just went up there every day. Set up the records. Like sometimes he would be like, "Yo, I gotta go do this interview, record this interview, play play four songs, but play them like me." You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn all of Flex's style, the way he DJed and um the way he scratched and all and that. That was like a horrible setup, man, at the radio, right? The way the turntables were the set. The turntables yeah. were like three miles away from each other. Yeah, like weird angle. And then you had the did you have the double uh the double deck rain mixer with the knobs, right? Oh, back then? Yeah. You did. And then you would have to turn nah, off not you not would have to was... turn off the monitors when you spoke on the mic, right? Well, if you hit the mic button, they turned off automatically. Okay. Yeah. Cause I saw a YouTube video of, of Flex. I, I wasn't there for the for And the it knobs. looked crazy. Yeah, that's and it was like that's older. When I was there, there was a fader. There was a fader. Yeah, there, was a, <laughs> there was a fader. That's nuts. Yeah, man. It was the um the technique mixer. Uh, that was a, mm. To me, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Technique Mixer was the, the best one fader. The it had the best fader. The, yeah. black, the best weight. The black with the gold? With yeah. The gold, yeah. With the gold yeah. trim. The, yeah. weight, mm-hmm. the weight on that fader was perfect. Nerd man. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd DJ shit. That's wild. Um, yeah, so then I, I went up there. I didn't get no money. Flex didn't pay me. I would just help out. And Flex was like, yo, help me with this, and I'll make sure you get more DJ work. So I would open up for Flex almost every night. Wherever he was doing a party, yeah, and then um, I would get paid like he would. He'd be like, "Yo, order food," and he like order yourself food. So I was poor, so I would order extra food and steal it and have breakfast. Like I'd be my breakfast, <laughs> and then uh, and then eventually, yeah, it just grew into like me filling in and then getting on my own slot and just growing and growing and growing. Yeah, damn, that's great. So how many years were you doing that shit before you got paid? And I've always got a question about uh, what they fucking pay radio people. Oh, uh, make show DJs, nothing. Uh, it had to be like before I even got any money at the radio station. It had to be like 
wait, that was 97, probably like five years. Oh, wow. Damn. Five wow, years, yeah. you weren't getting paid? Mm-hmm. You were getting paid by food. Fuck. Fuck. I mean, I wasn't getting, because I didn't work for the radio station. Technically, I worked for Flex. But did you get, like, exposure? Oh, yeah. How I made my name. That's where Cypher Don't Get Gas came from. Right, right, right. Like, it's how I'm every, but I had, I also was still DJing nightclubs every night. Yeah. Or not almost every night. You know what I'm saying? A lot of nights. But that was the marketing for you to do nightclubs and shit, right? Yeah, exactly. And meet all the artists. Because, again, remember, I still wanted to be a producer. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna meet all the artists. I'm gonna give them my beat tapes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't, I still wasn't like a radio fiend. Like I got into it after I was working there and learned how Flex loved it so much, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I and then I I got a I got a job at Raucous Records. Um, that's how I got the sound bombing album. I was doing nightclubs, I was DJing, I DJed for Nori, I DJed for Jay-Z, I DJed for Most Def. Like I was on the road, it was great. I just just Flex didn't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else paid you, but yeah, Flex. everybody paid me. Dang. Yo, Rockers gave me, I think, I want to say three grand a month. That's good. And That's I, back then, I was, great, man. I was balling. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a roommate. I moved out. I'm like, I'm getting my own apartment. I'm out of like, here. Three <laughs> grand a month. I thought I was rich. What is That's that? a lot, man. And that's like the late '90s, right? Yeah. Shit. What is a uh, Tommy Boy coming? Is that before or after this? Yeah, Ruckus folded uh-huh. eventually. And then uh, me and Jamal, my partner over there, went to That's Tommy Jamal. Boy Records. Jamal in the building. And, uh, he's sleeping. And then um, <laughs> no. then I got an A&R gig at Tommy Boy. Uh-huh. Signed Cuckoo Cow. Woo! Oh, wow. Whoa. Jamal just keeps tripping over Jamal, there. Jamal, uh, do you know how to walk? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who did you sign? Cuckoo, Cuckoo Cow. In my projects. In wow. my oh, project, about that one. Yeah. where was he from? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Okay. <laughs> How did you find him? How do we find him? There's a tape, right? I think a tape in the demo box at the label. The demo box. So you this was a, a you was A and R at Tommy Boy. Yeah. And you was A and R Rockers. Rock, uh, more like an A and R consultant at Rockers. Can you explain a little bit what the fucking A and R did? Like. Um, I I know everyone says like the A and R finds talent. Yeah, but were you developing artists as well? Yeah, so A and R is like A and R is basically like a translator. They're like a liaison. They a good one. They can they go to work in the daytime. They work at the label and they can speak all the corporate talk and and all the necessary mumbo jumbo to get the budgets and the and the all that paperwork and all that stuff done for booking studio. And paying producers and doing contracts, and then you go to studio at night and you can speak the the artist language. You know what I'm saying? And A and R is like you find the talent, you find the beats, you find the producers, you find the songwriters, the singers, um, the people to do collaboration with. You're like the the liaison, and you go to the studio. I mean, A and R is really a good A and R does everything. You know what I'm saying? Like I've written. I've written rhymes before for some of my artists because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm stuck on this on this one line. And you're like, well, what if you say coach, coach bag? And they're like, oh, that's fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, Damn, you, you do everything. It too, bro. Yeah, you do everything. <laughs> or, or if you, you hear a way that they should be recording the song and you're like, nah, let, let, get, let me go in the booth. And you're like, da-da-da-da-da, da 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 So is it borderline like an executive producer kind of a little bit? 
Sometimes. Sometimes. It depends on how much. A&R is like, it's vague. Sometimes A&R sucked and didn't go to the studio. You're almost like artists. a borderline manager a little bit, right? Yeah, A&R is everything. And you, it's kind of weird because you develop the closest relationship with the artists because they're the, you're the one that they see the most. So like if they coming up to the label to meet with the president, they'll be like, yo, come with me into this meeting. And yeah. you're the A&R, you're like, no, nah, that's the that's the boss. But they're like, no, nah, come with me, come with me. You know, like they might yeah. be nerds. So you're like- When they were like, if an artist was putting together an album, were you telling them like, yo, you need, you need one more song. You're yeah, missing this one joint. Yeah. Or like, this is yo, this is your lead single. Yeah. This is your second joint. Yeah, and that's always a fight. So it was it's all always oh. a fight. So what was like, well, who was an artist that you were kind of like working with and you really, really helped mold like a lot? Um I mean because what I want to do is I want to lead this question to now where ARs don't exist at all. No. And then you well, can- they're different now. Yeah, I would say like okay, um, like Hugo Cow was a big one, but that didn't blow up. But we guided his whole album. But I'll say, I'll say the clip second album. I was an A for Star Trek, Damn. right? So I worked on the clip second album. Hell have no hell have no fury. Yeah, and um, uh, that one was like me, Pharrell, Pusher. Like talking about every single song and what should come first and why it should come first and why um, we should release this buzz single before the actual single and how the video should be and all that kind of stuff. Like really plotting out what seems to a regular consumer that just a natural process. Like, oh, they made this song and they put it out. Like, no, it's hours and hours of fighting over what the single should be and you know, how to release it, when to release it. You know what I'm saying? Like grinding came out in January of I think oh one or two. And I br- I played that record before anybody on the radio in January. It didn't blow up until Memorial Day. Right? So oh. now it's like, should we release all our records in Memorial Day? Like, is that the clip wow. sweet spot? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, that was a a fluke. <laughs> we gotta like now they're known. Now we gotta do with this or this record's called this so we should release it in this time like all that shit is talked about yeah damn A&R does everything marketing managing artist development so like when you hear new artists now and I feel like we're in an era where we're like everything is the demo stage yeah we're actually hearing the demo stage yeah so the first two years when we hear a new artist we're literally hearing the demo stage. You're like hearing what the A&R would hear first and have to like t- tweak it a little. And you'd be like, yo, this is good. And this- yeah, but, but this is too long or right, you need right. another verse or a bridge. Or you should be singing more on your album instead yeah. of rapping like this, like yeah. blah, 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 blah. Are, there an, sorry, are there any artists that you put your A&R hat on while you're listening to and be like, damn, like if he just did this. Not- so- not much anymore because it, it's it's sickening now. <laughs> but like, you know who's the A and R now? Like Coach K, right? Yeah. Coach K is technically like the A and R of today because look at his artists. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like, you know, nowadays artists just record literally on the same mic we're using right now to record this podcast. Right. They record on that laptop you're looking at right there, and then press send and put it on the internet all within the same two hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where like we used to sit on <laughs> songs for months 
and like play them over and over and be like, nah, it's missing. Something's not right. right. right, right Something's right. not right. And um, I hear that with a lot of new music and yeah. a lot of talented artists, and I feel like it's fucking up. Like, you know, the first listen of a new artist has to be a good one. Otherwise, you know what I mean? If you hear yeah, like no, if you hear like three, four songs, like well, it just kind of ruins the shit, it's, man. It's, and I'm only arguing with you to play devil's advocate because I yeah. agree with you. But nowadays, so back then, you had to perfect the song because you were putting it out and hopefully making as many people as possible buy it, right? So now the music is free. So people treat it like it's something free. So you're, you're better off just pumping more out. And yeah, that's how it is it now. There, yeah, right? and yeah, yeah. Like, they just listen to it. And like, what's going to be the old school records in, in five, seven years, yo? I don't know. Like, if you're in college right now or high school or college, and like, what's your th- what's your throwbacks? <laughs> like <laughs> Gucci Gang, I would say Drake. Yeah, yeah. There's not a, there's not going to be as many as there was before. Nah, Drake, Kendrick, Kendrick, Drake, 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 J Cole. Yeah, but our throwbacks are way better. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you miss doing A and R? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, but I'm I. I love I love the good parts, but yo, listening to a complaining rapper is not fun, yo. <laughs> I don't like managing A and R, like yo. So you were doing you were doing the A and R work while you were you were doing the radio. Yeah, always. I mean, everything I did was while I was doing the radio. Everything. So you did mad while other shit while you were still all hot. day. I was not the type of I'm not the type of DJ that wakes up at two o'clock in the afternoon. I was up early every day. Damn. And I had artists, studio sessions. I was recording my own stuff. I had artists. I was trying to um, put out my own music. All right. So one of your first artists was Nina Sky, right? Like signed to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did how did that happen? They uh, just all being in the industry, like- they they were met they a guy I knew who was a club promoter who used to book me as a DJ. Right. His name was Elijah. Uh he uh one night I was doing his club and he was like, yo, I got these girls, these two girl twins. He said, like, I want you to hear them. I would like to see if you want to be interested in playing them on the radio, signing them, helping me, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Play me some songs. No, no, no. He no, he brought them to me. He brought them to me and they were dope. They were they had they played guitar, they were singing, their voices were dope. So we were like, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I wanna know, I know you was into reggae. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant that you did the coolie dance rhythm. That's a DJ shit. Yeah. Like, okay, that record cause, cause to me, that record is a DJ. Oh, I don't even know if it was like it's a DJ record to yes, me, man. It's a staple. There's no, but there's no doubt a DJ made that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole record. Like first of all, it wasn't even supposed to be a record. It was like, okay, this coolie dance rhythm. Let's just try to fit this in big. because it's popping. And I could play it on the radio, and it won't throw anyone off. I'll just I'll play Elephant Man. Yeah. Then I'll play your song. Then I'll play Sean Paul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so these like uh so D and. And Jamie are from the West Coast. Yeah. They don't know about rhythms. Yeah. They don't know. Like, we were explaining to them, like, 
that you had a track yeah. that literally like 12 different reggae artists, artists would yeah, rhyme would on, on or, yeah. or sing on and it would be on the like a plate and yeah. it would and you would just literally have two doubles yeah and you just be like switching over to like the most most of the time either just one verse or yeah. sometimes just the hook just the hook exactly. and in and out yeah. in and out mm-hmm. like literally quick mixing yeah. one of the early stages of quick mixing yeah Wow. And that was just that's how reggae was made. Like, like the wall, the Wally with him had like some of the best. Uh, the murder, the bomb, bam, 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 bam rhythm. Yeah, and then Damn. the buyout. We were talking about the buyout rhythm and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. So Jeez. you did the coolie dance. Yeah, so that that coolie dance rhythm was. It wasn't all the way popping yet, but I felt like it was gonna be popping. Yeah. So I was like, "Yo, sing on this." Like, just make a song about dancing or whatever, just with a guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I could play it on the radio and give you a shout out and people will start hearing your name. I'm expecting this to take, you know, do this five, six times, different rhythms, different beats, right. try to get them exposure. And the first one we did took off. So you didn't know that? Hell no. We were not prepared. I don't even think they had finished signing yet. But when you heard it, were you like, yo, this is the one? Or you just like, yo, this is cool. That was this Move Your enough. Body, right? I think, yeah, Move Your Body. So Move Your Body by Nina Scott. We thought it was dope. We didn't think it was going to be Did anybody use, use that rhythm before you? Yeah. Just, just reggae. Just, just reggae. This is this not Pitbull um, Cooler, right? This is not Pitbull, right? No. Oh, he used it, it was, this is before Cooler. It was... It was basically around the same time. Okay. Like, Little John had the same idea. Who's a DJ? Yeah. Right, who was a DJ first? He had the same idea, and he also has little reggae roots. Yeah, he does have reggae. He roots. did the Cableton yeah. record. Yeah, the Cableton. He did tour. Yeah, yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he had the same idea. It's just that I was on the radio. He had to get it to the radio. Right, right. Yeah. So that's the only reason why we beat him. Um, but did we beat him? Pitbull's a global superstar, and <laughs> I still live in a one bedroom apartment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but then, but then, like Nina Sky, they're great. I love them, but I also hate them because managing two twins, like I don't know, they were young. They're better now, but they were young, and it was like, yo, be down, be. We're gonna pick you up at nine o'clock. We gotta get to the show, and they'll come down nine thirty, nine forty, ten thirty. You know what I mean, like. I can't. I, I, I don't got time for that. I was wondering why they didn't make more music. They did. They had the one with they made a, a lot of music. They had Copa. They had Copa. They had Copa. Fuck. With the Alchemist. Alchemist. That's yeah. the joint. Oh, oh, hold, hold you down. down. Hold you down. Hold yeah. you down. Oh, you Mikanto. Oh, you Mikanto. How was that? But they. I feel like they could have had more. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, they should have had more. Oh, well, they got the whole second album is fire, and it sounds fire. In my computer, the only place it ever lived, yo. <laughs> really? Fire. What happened? Fire. Uh, shit. shit went Lots out. of shit. <laughs> who, were, who were they signed to? So, so they were signed. first they were signed to Universal. Okay. Then they got dropped. And then they signed to Pitbull's- um, Was it TVT? Manager. Not TVT. Okay. Um, but the guy who was the A&R for TVT. Uh, what's his name? Brian Leach. And he started, uh, I forgot his company. Huh? Yeah, Polo Ground. So, um, Damn. this is before he had he had ASAP Rocky and the whole ASAP mob. Mm-hmm. It was before that he signed. He wanted to sign Nina Sky, and we did an album. And then in the middle of right towards the end of making the album, I left managing them, and Jamal stayed on managing them. And then they had some problems with 
the label and they did some stupid shit and then <sighs> never came out. Damn. The damn. album was fun. Well, they released a uh, a mixtape though, like all like Spanish Latin influence. Yeah, yeah. La Conexión. La Conexión. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you serious? La Are you still sitting on the second album? Yeah, it's fire. How many you, tracks is it? Why don't you just leak it? Like, why did we never leak it? I don't know why we never leaked it. Is it? Is it? We, like, had, um, we got Rick Ross on there. What? We had the locks. Wow, man. Yo, I took a um, I took a uh, Gangstar record. Um, ah, uh, what's the da 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 I made an R&B record to that, and the locks are on it. It's fire, yo. You can't yeah. be gassing it up. Fire. Yeah, you gotta get Jamar, can you leak this shit? We should leak it, yo. <laughs> I don't even know Why if Why you talk to them? Like, are you still cool with them? No, nah, I'm not? cool with them now. Why yeah. don't y'all just put it out? Maybe we should. Mixtape. Yeah. That's, That's a good idea. <laughs> I see them DJing and shit, and they still yeah. on the road. Like, they, oh, Nicole always DJ. Nicole I, was always a dope DJ. That's why, like, these fad... Uh, social media models I and all that DJs. Nicole them. always DJ before so, I even met her. I used to be in New I, when I was spinning in New York. Like the promoter would just come up and they'd be like, "Yo, man, you don't need a sky." I'd be like, "Yeah, of course." They'd be like, "Yo, she want to play some shit." And yeah. I'm like, "Yo, yeah, no doubt." And she would just yeah. spin for like half an hour. Yeah, damn. Yeah, that's crazy. So did this? So Nina Sky shit ends, and then how the fuck do you get to Rick Ross? Wait, 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 wait. Well, Rick Ross at the same time. I want to hear about Oye Mikanto too. Yeah. Oh, let's start with that. Nori, Nori's, Nori is literally my first rapper friend. Like, first rapper to ever yeah, call me. Nori, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, my like, phone rang. He's like, yo, what's up? It's Nori. I'm like, oh, shit. It's Nori. <laughs> <laughs> Nori's calling me. This yo. is in the 90s, though, right? Yeah, it is like, like T O N Y, Scopone and Noriega oh, days. Shit. Um, so you hanging out at Left Rack and son, shit. I was around all that shit, like the recording of um, Band from TV and Super Thug and all that. Like, shit, yeah, man. I met Pharrell like back then. You know what I'm saying? Because Nori was the first to fuck with the Neptunes, kind of heavy. Yeah. Well, and nothing. No, Super, no, Super, Super Thug. Super, Super Thug. Thug. Well, they did. They, they did. Um, they did two things for Puff before that. They did a Mace record. They did a total and, record also. A total. Looking at me, right? No, and they did a no, uh, a Locks remix. No, what was Neptunes that? Neptune's did Looking at Me, right? Yeah. 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 For they, Mace. Looking at me, yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. SWV. SWV. Yeah. SWV? Those were like the first couple of records they made. But but Super Thug is what got them known. That's how it went on the West Coast. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, like, so yeah, Nori. So I know him forever. One of my, you know, real rap friends. And then um, the reggaeton in New York City, reggaeton was blowing up, and Nori was half Puerto Rican, so he wanted to like embrace his Puerto Rican side. And he and he said, "I want to make this reggaeton record. I want to use the pun hook." And this is like, and this is when like Don Omar was popping, right? Yeah, Don Omar, Daddy, Daddy Yankee, Yankee Daddy Dago. Well, um, Dago, yeah. uh, Dago, Dago, Cal- Dago, Cal- Dago, Cal- was like yeah. the OG. He's like. I don't know what's a good analogy like the rock hem of fucking reggaeton. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So then yeah. you were like, "Let's do this Oye Mikanto." He said, "Yeah." He said, "Um, yo, bring bring them girls that you got. Like, move your body was a huge hit." He was like, "Yo, do they? You know, can they can they do something with me?" So he brought them to the studio and they like. He's like, "Oh, I want them to sing the pun part," and and um, they were just like, 
all right, we'll sample, but we, you know, it's it's pun. Like we want our own thing. So I was like, so we'll do like one of the melodies y'all be doing. And I was just like, because they, 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 Natalie would always sing like these little riffs. And I'm like, just sing like a little melody with your voice. And it became the biggest. I, just, I like how you just talk to them like, yo, like just, you know, just make some eggs. Just put some shit together. <laughs> if you're with somebody that every time you're in the car, she's just humming melodies in the back. And you're like, shut the fuck up, yo. And she's like, hmm, hmm. So I was like, just do that. And obviously it came out. That's crazy. That's wild. And that song still works in the club. I, I think still it's the quintessential. The it's just like uh, it's like the be faithful of like reggaeton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. Like, you, and then when all of, all of them got in the remix, that shit was crazy. Daddy Yankee and all them shit. Shit was wild. So yeah, let's. I want to go into like breaking records, breaking artists, breaking artists. Well, yeah, yes. So I mean, Nina Sky's one of them, but they were me, my artists, so I don't really. Get the credit like that, of course. I'm because I thought that was crazy. Cra- I thought it was crazy when you was on uh, the Breakfast Club and you was just and you was you saying, were going the fuck yeah. off. No, but it was amazing. <laughs> it wasn't like crazy. Like yo, this dude's cr- like it was Talking amazing. Shit, like how how come we don't know about this? No, why don't people know? Let's talk about push. the Rick Ross. Yeah, but I'm- don't you think you're a little too humble? I am. Or you too quiet? Yeah. Or what is it? It is. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. I hate it. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> um, yeah, like I just spoke. All right. Here, well, my problem back then was I thought if I do this for them, they're going to do something for me. Right. And I didn't, didn't always work that way. People, like I said on the Breakfast Club interview, like people get amnesia. Like that's the number one disease in the hip hop community, yo. But um, so Rick Ross, uh, I was I was good friends with Khaled, and You're I was in Miami. Oh, we were in Miami for Nina's guy, or for True Life? No, right. True Life, True Life. How did you meet? Building up to this, how did you meet Khaled? Just going to Miami. Just Memorial, going to Miami Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend is when New York takes right, over right, right, Miami. Right, right. I, I, hate, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there a few times yeah. during that weekend. It's this just is like, when people in I, Miami go. Why are all these guys wearing Timberlands <laughs> on the beach? Yeah. <laughs> but like I've been go like like I said, I we broke um grinding Memorial Day weekend in Miami, even though I was playing it since January. So I've been going down there since that time and been meet, met Khaled. Yo, Khaled, yo, since I known him, he was working on albums and music. It's not until the ones we know that came out was pop, but right, know, he right. probably got three, four albums recorded that he never released. And he was like more underground back then. Yeah, yeah. So like, I remember I went to the studio and it was with Fat Joe and Prodigy were recording. Damn. You know, and um, those songs never came out. I never heard them come out. He played me a whole bunch of songs that never came out. And then, um, so a couple years later, I'm down there with True Life because now I'm working for Rockefeller. And they had this label called Rock La Familia. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. where Nori album came out on Rock La Familia. Mm-hmm. So it was like all the same time. Like, so we signed True Life and we're in Miami working with some producers, Polo to Don. Yeah. yeah. And then um while we're in the studio, Circle House. Uh Circle House is owned by the guys that did the cops theme song. That's crazy. Bad boy. Oh, yeah. Bad boy. <laughs> what you gonna do? Every time they walk by, I'd be like, yo, do the do the cops song. Do the cops song. <laughs> Oh, so we in there working. Khaled was in there every day anyway. And Khaled came through and was like, yo, I got this this 
this artist down here we playing the record is 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 doing pretty good. He's like, I want you to, I want you to play it, like bring it back home and play it. So Wait, was it on? Was it on the radio in Miami? A little no? bit. Like Khaled would play it sometimes, but he wasn't on every day. I don't think. Like he would play mm. it like when he was on. Cause yo, that sound, that that BPM and that sound wasn't like, like no. it's everywhere. There's so many songs to to mix nowadays. Now, yeah. But at that time, if you play that, no. But there was stuff like that tempo a little down bit. There. Yeah, yeah. There was like f- mad Florida artists that we never even heard of. Yeah. They had like a local sound, you know what I'm saying? But then Rick Ross was lyrical, like so he kind of like had like that tempo, but then he was rhyming ill on it, you know. But it was, I mean, it's almost like slow booty music, a little bit, you know. But shit, it was never something that we would think would work in a club, kind of. Do you no, know what we, I mean? Yeah, the tempo back, then. but it was starting to change, right? Like Little John. So when you heard it, were you like, "Oh, this shit is popping," or were you like, "Uh"? It yeah, sound like a yeah, K Slay record. No, no, no. I know it was popping. <laughs> nah, it was popping. Hustling, 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 hustling. Yeah, so like I brought it back home and it was towards the end of the year because I know it was around Christmas because I played it and then I was on the radio a lot more. I was always on the radio a lot more when it was holidays because I would be filling in for people because they were taking off for the holidays. So I was the number one filling guy. So you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to take Christmas Eve off, Christmas Day off. Who's going to fill in? The 5%. The 5% <laughs> who don't celebrate holidays. <laughs> I'm like, I don't celebrate them devil holidays. I'll, I'll do it. So then I was on a lot more. So I was playing it over and over. And we had more freedom back then. So I was playing it. And I would stop it and be like, yo, this record is crazy. Some artist named Rick Ross out of Miami. Shout to Khaled. Play it again. Play it again. And people would call up, yo, play that again, you know, and I would play it. That's how you had to break a record right. back then. And then um And you had your you didn't have the bomb, you had the pulo, right? Yeah, pull up, yeah. yeah, yeah. Reggae sound effects. Yeah, yeah. That was my thing. I took all the reggae sounds. I always wanted that drop, man. <laughs> I got you. This is perfect. Oh, I didn't yeah, bring yeah. my computer. I'll send it to you. <laughs> um Did it get any even crazier when Jay Z did the remix? Or was no, it so that's crazy? so that's what I'm about to tell you. So I so I emailed Jay. And I emailed Jay. Well, what, what made you want to even? Because you was on Rockefeller. You was on Rockefeller Familia. Did you I was, work there at the time? You said, yeah, because you were yeah. done for True Life. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me think. Hold up. Shut up for a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working there. So, oh, but but not just um, Rockefeller Familia, but Jay had become president of Def Jam. Okay. Okay. Oh, five. So when I got the job at Rock Left Familiar, he wasn't the president of Def Jam yet. It was when I was there, then he became the president, right? So I emailed him. I said, yo, Hove, there's this record out of Miami. It's fire. I've been playing it in New York. I'm getting a lot of response from it. I think it's going to be big. This was like December 23rd or December 24th. <laughs> so he writes back, okay, good. Hit me after Christmas. Like, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. I'm eating turkey with my family, yo. So then, like, the a week after, you know, I sent it to him or whatever. I gave it to him. And that's when all, like, but now everyone had heard it. Right. All the labels had heard it. So then everybody was trying to get Rick Ross. And, um, and then Jay got him. Jay signed him. But then I didn't get, like, I thought I would 
<laughs> get like <laughs> A&R or something. Uh, Did you get like a bottle or something? I got nothing. nothing. Yeah, good job, nothing. B. I got a double plate. All right, so I have a question. Knowing what you know now, how would you approach that differently? So, would you have a couple different ways? Yeah. So, like, um, so okay. So the 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 A and R who did get it was this guy named Shake Shakir was his name. Um, He worked for L.A. Reid, and he was the A and R assigned to it. And later on, when I was upset about it, I said, "Yo, I I broke that record." And I work at the label and I didn't get no credit. And he was, he told me, he was like, yo, nobody's going to give you the credit. You got to take it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you should have never let that record even play on the radio before you spoke to Ross and them saying, yo, if I break this, I'm going to need this or that. You know what I'm saying? And not saying like blackmail them, but just like know that there's an agreement or, or bring it to the label and and present it because all I did was I emailed Jay and then gave it to him. So I don't know if he told them I gave it to them. You know right. what I'm saying? I wasn't there. I should have went into the office with all the A and Rs and all the execs and said I got this record from Miami and played it. Seems that you gotta like sh- do the showmanship. But you literally coordinated that whole shit like. A fan, like a hip hop fan. Yeah, but I am. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was. So yeah. So now I know I would more like take control of it. I'll say. I told Ross I was gonna do what? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did tell him like, watch me blow this up. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, did at least right, did Vic Voss acknowledge this? Be like, yo. Yeah, he acknowledges it, but that's it. Like, I mean, yeah, that's it. Like, shots <laughs> to cipher. Like, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, if I'm around, if I'm around him, he'll be like, "Yo, Sipes the first one to ever play my record in New York." Right? Mm-hmm. Does he say it when I'm not around? I don't think so. No one's ever mentioned it to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> so then I, so then. Was this before or after Rihanna? Uh, I don't remember the years. Rihanna was 05 and Rick Ross was roughly 06, 05. Okay. Thanks. Oh shit. Okay. That was that was my high school. <laughs> <laughs> so Rihanna Rihanna has Oh, the- it had to be after because Rihanna's how I got the job. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So I brought I brought three things to Jay. I brought um, or I was part of the bringing to it. I wasn't solely responsible. Yo, this is crazy. Wait, before I'm sorry to cut you off, but so you were like, oh man. So you brought Rihanna and yeah. then you got the job. So you were like a company man. Like you were just getting a salary from Rock La Familia. Yeah. And then you got the Rick Ross. Yeah. So for them, you were just doing your job. Um, yeah, but I wasn't, but I wasn't an AR for Def Jam. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. that record I gave to Jay as like president of Def Jam. <laughs> Wait, was I still working there at the time? I might not have even been there at that time. I might have left by then. So you were just a on, DJ. You were just I like was a on DJ. MTV. Yeah. Oh, I left Rock La Familia because I got a job on MTV. For Sucker Free. Yeah, Sucker Free. No Sucker Free Sunday. Yeah. So no, no, not Sucker Free Sunday. Um, Sucker Free. Oh, Sucker Free Sunday yeah. was on MTV too. 
Oh, so you're on MTV One? Yeah. Okay. Well, MTV. I thought it was MTV Two. It had the same name. It was a very stupid concept. Um. So Rihanna. Yeah. All I'd have to look at like footage to know the actual. I'm not good at dates, but it was all around the same time. But I brought, I brought Jay Z. Um, True Life. I brought uh, Rihanna and Damian Marley. Yeah. And it's so funny. I forgot about Damian Marley because I, I, I was playing Jam Rock. Welcome to Jam Rock. And I told Jay about it. And then Jay came to this show at BB King's and I introduced Jay-Z to Damian Marley. I said, yo, Jay, this is Junior Gong, Damian Marley. It's a song I was telling you about. Da, da, da. And they met backstage and they were talking. And he tried to sign them. And it almost went through, but then the Marley family shut it down. So I forgot about that until just recently when Jay was on SNL and and he did the song oh, with Damian Marley yeah. and I was there and I was I, I said what's up to Damian and then I looked at Jay and I was like, Oh shit. I introduced these like they I I brought Jay over to Damian Marley and introduced him for the first time in whatever year that was, oh five or whatever. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, I just remember that. Another one on my belt. Another one. <laughs> Fucking Global Spin Awards. Global Spin Awards. Do you have an award for introducing superstars to each other? <laughs> so wait, Junior Gong's first album was on what label? Was Just Jay, their Jay own was, label. Jay was a part of it or no? You said he shut it, they shut it down? Yeah. The Welcome to Jam Rock? Yeah. No, it never got signed to them. Okay. They had their own label. Why was it shut down? I'm curious. Like I think the Marley, the Marley family. family was like, we don't sign to rappers. We're Marleys. Like, we're bigger than everybody. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. why are you signing they, the They Jacksons? have their own empire. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, wait. I want to go back to Rihanna. Let's go back. So, wait. Was it? Back it she, up. Back it, back it up. <laughs> did, she have that, did she have the song upon the replay? Yeah. They are, she already had the song. Which is like, basically, uh, the Wally rhythm, like kind of rework or whatever the fuck that's it was. disrespectful to say that no no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no you no it was a little diwali rhythm a little bit you're, you're not thinking about Lumi d Lumi d's diwali yeah that's it's was it similar to that a little bit a little bit the drums oh maybe it was closer to the Lumi d no Lumi d is the wally rhythm the wally rhythm yeah no, nah, but Pondy Replay was Diwali. No. It was a rework. I think it's just a reggae beat. I think you're just confusing uh, reggae. No, I agree with you. It sounded similar to yeah, the Diwali. Yeah. I could okay. play it. It's just reworked. It has like a heavier bass. Maybe maybe my brain's not allowing me to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard that you heard that song. Yeah. And then it was just like what? It was a demo. It was put, a um, she was signed to these producers, and my friend at the time, Mister Morgan, was it knew her manager. Was it a like the producers? Where were they from? New York, New York. But they okay. were big like pop producers. They did a lot of big pop songs. Mm. They, I forgot their names, but they've been around for since the eighties. Evan and some, yeah. They had a lot of pop records on every. All the pop artists, like maybe not the biggest hits, but they had a lot of records. And both of them are, they're both two white guys, both married to Bayesian women. And they were in Barbados. And I think Rihanna is one of their nieces, like one of their wife's nieces. 
You said Bayesian women? Yeah. What's that? Barbados. Oh, okay. If you're okay. From, from Barbados, you're Bayesian. I thought it was like black and Asian. <laughs> no, that's Blasian. <laughs> <laughs> Almost then, just not there. Yeah, Bayesian. People from Barbados are Bayesian. So, um, so she was like 16, 17, and they signed her and brought her to New York and started recording these records. So Mr. Morgan, who now runs OVO, uh, he used to be Cardinal Officials Manager. Oh, shit. And he was one of my best friends. Uh, I say was because he doesn't give me OVO Fest tickets anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he was like, "Yo, let's go hear this girl. Maybe you could, you know, help them out. Like maybe consult or get her, whatever. Bring her to the label, right, whatever." Right. So I heard the record. I was like, "Oh, this is crazy. You know, she's super dope." And I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna play it on the radio. Like get the buzz going. Just same way I did Nina Scott. Like and Rick Ross. In, in my in my mind, I was like, "Yo, I already did this with." other records let me just do it with this but now i'm more involved right so i thought and then um <laughs> so i started playing it on the radio and they already had some meetings set up but then now that it was playing everybody was trying to jump on it and then uh and so, then so the whole shit is you got it before you played on the radio you had to have like not shaking hands but something should have should have been on paper right yeah technically yeah yeah. <laughs> so then you played it on the radio, got big. Yeah. And then you hit up Jay again. Well, this is like, you got to understand, like the radio was the biggest thing back then. Right. It wasn't like the internet. Well, so, Hot 97 was the biggest thing yeah, back then. Yeah. So like if a record played on Hot 97, every label was like, what's that? Right. What's that? How come I don't have that? What is that? It would be, it would like, you could set the labels off within a week if you start playing something and make a big deal about it, you know? So, you know, we were the, we were the, the, um, you know, the tastemakers, like the actual, right. mm -hmm. what really tastemakers were. You know, we were the social influencers. <laughs> um, quote. And uh, yeah, so we, you know, if we started playing something in a hot, they all were listening. Like that was their job to like, see if, if any of us were trying to break something. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was the big one. And then you just brought it to Jay or Jay heard on the radio? No, the, the, the manager had already set up a meeting with them. But- Jay wasn't fully convinced to sign her. Until the radio buzz. And then, well, no, me and him had an argument Whoa. at 4040. He was like, I don't know. The record is kind of, the record is bigger than the artist. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I heard the other record. She's dope. She got a lot of dope shit. And then, um, then, they, then they eventually signed her. And we did a mixtape. Wait, wait. How, how do you argue with Jay? What do you mean? Like, how... Like how much can you raise your voice at Jay? Oh, I was we were arguing. For real. Yeah, we were arguing. <laughs> we were in, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tell you where we were. Okay, you know when you go into a building, there's like the glass door that's on the sidewalk. Like were the you front in, door. were you in the hidden pool room? No, in the front, the glass door. You open the door, you go in and then there's like what's there's that? There's a circle four, bar. Fourier. No, before you even get in there. There's a Fourier, am I saying that right? Foyer? Fourier? <laughs> And then you you go in and there's only like, you know, three feet of a little room and then there's another big door that you go into the club. Right, right. In that area, we were arguing. And I was like, I'm telling you, son, I'm telling you, I heard the other record, she's dope. He's like, I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's, you know, I, it's, it sounds like one song. I'm like, it's bigger than that. She's she's dope. He's like, you, sh you, you really, like you heard the other records? I'm like, yo, she's dope. And then I'm thinking on some Caribbean shit. Like I, we, me and her did a whole mixtape together, 
where we did all Caribbean records and covers. And then when she got signed, they didn't want her to be like Caribbean. Right. So they, that mixtape never came out. Shit, is that still in the laptop too or what? It's in a hard drive. Somebody just did an article on that about it. Really? Somebody did an article. Sife, you need a, you, <laughs> no Do you have a Mixcloud? A Mixcloud.com? <laughs> nah, SoundCloud? Nah, nah. You, SoundCloud gotta, you, gotta, you gotta drop all this shit. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> this is crazy. That's crazy. This mics are loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so yeah, so I should have, you know, been more. How did you feel about them changing her, like not doing the Caribbean? At first, stuff? I was upset. Yeah. At first, I was upset. I'm like, I'm, yo, this because I love Caribbean music, so I was like, oh, she's gonna be the dopest. And then eventually, she went back to it, right. but it took her like three big pop albums. I mean, it's like that. Umbrella, right, and all that shit. She was even doing like yeah. semi EDM. But even yeah, like, yeah. like, cause they did the they did the first album. They released two singles. Ponder Replay was huge, and then this other one that uh, was be okay. Your girl. Yeah, SOS. Yeah. No, SOS but then but then so somebody brought SOS to the label and we listened to it and oh, Jay shit. Brown I forgot about SOS. Jay SOS. Brown was like, yo, we should buy this record, give it to Rihanna. And then instead of putting it like on the album that was like right about to come out, they were just like, fuck it, let's just do another album. And then just recorded her second album with that as the single. Was that like Disturbia and all that shit? No. That was way before that. That was was 06 as well. 06, 07. SOS. SOS. Shut up and drive. Unfaithful. Please don't stop the music. Was it that? That was after. No, that was was Disturbia. Yeah. She was one of the first like chicks doing that 125, 120 BPM shit. That was 08. Well, because SOS was that tempo. It was like so 130, then, right? 137. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was up there. I feel like that was Yo, really blew trying, her up, SOS. Y'all trying to BPM battle? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was like 137. Talk. Oh. But I still feel like her best work was the Caribbean stuff, like Rude Boy. Well, then, well like, then, she, you know, then she finally, you know, Rihanna's obviously, we can see how she is. She's not no punk. Right. Like eventually she was like, all right. I did everything y'all wanted to do. Now I'm going to do my shit. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm a superstar. I'm going to go ahead and make Caribbean records and whatever. One thing I want to acknowledge is that she gave you like a huge shout out on the gram and shit. She like put like, yeah, uh, you played my first record. Yeah. I was in Macy's with my grandmother Uh or some crazy shit like that. Were you at the Macy's or you were just playing? No, I was on the air. No, it was the Sears, I think. I think it was Sears. Uh, I I feel Huh? Oh, the Sears. Jamal's memory is crazy. Yo, we need to get Jamal. I gotta look up the mic. Jamal's <laughs> half asleep. <laughs> Jamal doesn't stay up past nine, yo. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was playing it on the radio, and she was with her grandmother in a store and put the radio on in the store. And her grandmother was like, yo, this is her song. This is Robin. This yeah. is Robin's song. That's crazy. <laughs> Fuck. That's, it's crazy. Fuck. But yep. you know, Global Spin Awards don't really piece of shit. <laughs> we better have the best pod- DJ podcast next year. Well, assholes. I think it's crazy just how humble you are, man. Just like sorry, nah, man. That's I mean, good, man. That's, that's it's like, good and it's bad, though. I mean, you know. Not what, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, I've I've had a talk with myself on how I want to live my life. And nothing is more important than my happiness. Because there was a lot of those times, all them stories I'm telling you, 
there was a lot of times where I was depressed and upset about life. And, you know, I didn't ever feel like suicidal or anything like that, but I was like down in the dumps. And it's not till I figured out who I was and how I wanted to live my life that I became super happy, right? But like the guy Shake, who I was telling you took the credit for Rick Ross, yeah. he ended up killing himself. Yeah, R.P. Shake. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I I don't know why. I don't know if he had problems or I don't know what happened, but I know that it hurt a lot that this guy that gave me all this great advice, another person, Chris Lighty, used to give me yeah. great advice, and he passed away. Yeah, rest in peace, Chris Lighty. So yeah. I'm always, I feel life is precious, and I would like, and then I also turned down a lot of shit, right? Rihanna, she did tell me to be her DJ and go on a road with her. And I wanted to stick at the radio. And then Max Glazer, right? Yeah, I gave yeah. it. I gave it to my, but look, all my people know, like Max Glazer is my brother. Like as soon as she, as soon as I said I can't go, I said I got the perfect guy for you, right? Pitbull asked me to be his DJ, but all this is because I was so loyal to Hot ninety seven. I wanted to stay on the air. Um, so I don't have regrets, but I'm just saying, like it's it's also my fault. Like I could have went on the road with Rihanna and produced for her and DJed for her and been at these huge, right. you know, fucking well, I mean, it wasn't your things. fault, but I mean, you created such a huge legacy on Hot 97 too at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but it just, it's, at the end of the day, my last two years of Hot 97 were miserable. That was like, what, uh, 2013, I left February 2015. Okay. So, um, it was miserable the last two years of a place that I loved going to every day of my life. Why? Why? Just new management, getting shifted around, Ebro getting shifted around, Angie leaving, Mr. C leaving. It was cra- it was fucking crazy. It was like it was like my home, like my dad died, my stepdad came in, he was a dick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and I moved out, I was pissed off, I moved out, and all this stuff was happening. But then I talked to myself, I said, yo, none of this is worth the happiness, right? Like I have, like, I know what I want to do. I like going home, watching TV and eating chicken wings. Like I don't like popping bottles at the club. I don't wear jewelry. I I don't judge anyone who does. It's just not my thing. For for a while I was like, oh, I want to be like a rapper. I got to do all these things. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't like that. It's not me. The most rapper shit you've done is wear bait for like the past 15 years. Yo, let me tell you something, man. <laughs> I was on bait before any of these punk-ass motherfuckers. Yo. I've been going to Japan. I've been going to Japan. I got a pair of babes from the first time I ever went to Japan. I was like, yo, look at these fake Air Force Ones, yo. And they had the camouflage star yeah, on the side. Star. And I was like, yo, I'm buying these fake Air Force Ones. These are hilarious. And now, then, they, now they're worth a lot of money. All right, you want a babe story? I go to Japan with Pharrell, they're like, yo, we got to, we're going to do three NERD concerts in Japan, but I want you to DJ, like, I'm going to do, like, some Neptune songs and some clip songs, so you play that part, you know, for the show. So we go to Japan. Nigo, Nigo's the guy who owns Bay the Nate. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or used to. Used he, to. Pharrell found out about Nigo because every chain Pharrell would get made at Jacob the Jeweler. Nigo would get- he would like if he wore it in a magazine or a picture somewhere. Nigo would fly to New York and say, "Make me the exact same chain 
but more more jewelry, <laughs> more diamonds, more rubies. So whatever Pharrell had, Nigo had the version, but a little better. So so Pharrell finds out they hook up. So we fly to Japan. Nigo and his whole crew pick us up at the airport, and for the next four days we're just in Bape Heaven. We do a Bape photo shoot. We go to Nigo's house, which is basically a museum of every Star Wars toy, Beatles guitars, wow. uh, like every Godzilla, um, fucking Andy Warhols all on the on the wall and Basquiat's and shit, crazy. So the last night we do four, three, four shows, whatever. We're eating Quint, uh, Quincy Jones' daughters hanging out with us. Who Kidada? Is that Rashida? Yeah. Rashida Kadada. No, Kadada. And when I went out with Pops, oh, right? I yeah. love her. She's a DJ yeah. too, yeah. by the way. She is? Yeah. Oh, everybody's a DJ. <laughs> no, she's been for years. <laughs> oh, really? I met her like She's good. I mean, her father is Quincy Jones. We can't. I met her in 2011 and she was like, yeah, DJ. And, and she was into sneakers and she, I yeah. fell in love with her. Now I know why Tupac fell in love with her too. Yeah. So she hanging out with her. Like, it was great. Then um, the last night, Pharrell tells Nigo, Yo, I got an idea for a clothing line. I want to call it Billionaire Boys Club. Wow. He's like, it's like about like only billionaires could go to space. So it's all about like, you know, frills all into space and all that. So he's like, I want it to be like an old, like the old astronaut, you know, like, but going into space. So that's like 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. We go to the hotel. We go to our rooms. They're picking us up at 6 a.m. to go to the airport or 8 a.m. Let's say 8 a.m. to go to the airport. 10 o'clock, we get dropped off. We come downstairs at 8 o'clock, and Nigo is downstairs with his staff with five different designs of what Billionaire oh, Boys Club should look like. Five different logo designs, T-shirts. This is what the polo shirt should look like. This is what the T-shirt should look like. Yo, I almost passed out. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> he woke up his staff and made them create a lo- the line the first BBC you ever saw yeah, and that the was logo, that. Was it the, the astronaut head, mm-hmm. like there was five different versions of that. The one he picked is the one you still know to this day. And like, and like, but I was into bait even before, but I was into bait before Pharrell met them. Mm-hmm. Like, as I've been going to Japan, I've been to Japan like, I don't know, 20, 25 times. And um, I, I love camo. So I always used to buy like, I'd go out there and look for bathing ape everywhere I went. And I used to go to the vape restaurant and steal the silverware. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, they got this. Um, they had like when they when they give you tea, there's like a little cloth over the handle so you don't burn yourself, and it's like little vape camouflage. I used to steal those. <laughs> they were they were crazy. They had like a coffee shop, right? Yeah, a restaurant, vape, yeah, and they had like tables in wow, the shape. I didn't, I didn't know this. They yeah. had tables in the shape of like vape. Yeah, damn. And I, yo, what was the demise? I have me and him talk about the demise of vape. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it goes to one rapper. Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, purple Wayne, joint. Everybody, yeah. Yo, I mean, you, you don't think Lil Wayne destroyed that brand? Yeah. <laughs> but not just Wayne, like Soldier Boy was wearing it and all them rappers were. And then, uh, but there was no demise. Nigo and the people in Japan saw that it was getting out of control and they pulled it back. They they stopped shipping it here. They stopped selling it. They literally like shut it down to like a very small level because it was going out of control. And then slowly it started coming back. So if you was a real babe head like me, you were still getting it. Like 
every time you went to Japan, you would buy something, mm-hmm. or or when they just weren't selling it in the U.S. And then it started to grow again, and then eventually he had to, he had sell, to it. sell it. Yeah. Once he sold it, then that's when it blew up again. Like because the company who bought it was like, we're not gonna hold this back. Like release the hound. Take advantage. <laughs> it was a it uh, it Hong yeah, Kong. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But they're great. I still do work with them. They're awesome. That's dope. You're still uh, cool with Nigo and shit. Yeah, but I I work with Babe. I do all the music for the stores. Oh, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Fifteen years. Is fifteen years. That's a lot of mixtapes. <laughs> Where you Fuck, choose man. like different DJs to do a mixtape or just you? No, I just make, uh, I make a tape once a month for, for the stores. If you go to any Bape store, what's playing, unless, That's the, you? unless the employees put their own music on, but the company's music is my mixtape like every month. Even still now? Yeah. I have to make it right now. It's due, what's today's date? <laughs> it's due in like three days. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you have some new songs, I got a flash drive. <laughs> what does it say? Do you get your pay with clothes or you get paid like cash? I, I get a lot of clothes. I know what I'm saying. I always <laughs> yeah. see you with bait, like the I coolest shit. Let me tell you my problem. I put on a couple of pounds. Yeah, yeah. So I have a I have a couple of different shelves in my house of gonna fit into that bait one day. <laughs> <laughs> because you had lost a ton of weight like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, right? I lost a lot and then I gained half back. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I heard you speaking about this. I think it was on um, The Breakfast Club about like the eating, like not a disorder, but like- Oh, no, I have an eating disorder. <laughs> but I have like the kind of the same thing where my weight fluctuates up and down and because I overeat yeah. out of stress, but also to keep myself up so I can keep working. Yeah. And then also like on some like weird reward shit, yeah. Where you like overeat, I don't, you know what I'm saying. So I go through the same shit too. Yeah, there's a bunch of the eating disorder. There's like so many, and people don't even like. You just get made fun of, like ah, you fat, you fat fuck. Like I'm hurting inside. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to the depression. You did that 40 day reset. Is yeah. that what it's called? I did that. Well, before, what did yeah. that? Con- what did that diet consist of? It's like because um, I remember you used to put up like. Uh, uh, chipotle plates, which is like yeah. tomato on the steak. Yeah, it's like it's like forty day reset is uh, a fruit in the morning, orange, apple, strawberry, or grapefruit. Then two and a half hours later, you got to eat a protein and a vegetable, like a some steak and tomatoes, or chicken and cucumbers, or fish and celery. And then another two hours, you eat another fruit, but it can't be the same fruit you ate before. And then another two and a half hours, you eat another protein and vegetable, but it can't be what you ate earlier. And it just keeps shocking your body in every two hours. But it's hard. How much did you lose that on that? Like, oh, 55 pounds. In 40 days? Uh, maybe a little more. Oh, shit. Because I was man. fucking up cheating. Yo, that's, still lost that's a lot, a lot of that's work, though, lot. right? 55 is a lot, bro. Yeah. yeah. God, I damn. went from 250. Two the to 195 damn is that 45 yeah. yeah yeah you also <laughs> had a uh, flex doing it too right yeah flex got into flex is better than me flex kills it but the thing is flex doesn't have an eating disorder that's mm. the thing the diet if you are good with food and you rock that 40 day reset you win my problem is the other problem i have so it, it hurts when i try to lose weight what what is that? Your just your like relationship? Compulsive overeating, yeah. It's like 
even when I'm not like it's overeating in one sit down, overeating is different the whole day. Different kinds, like binge eating. Like if I'm upset, I might eat, but then if I reward myself, I eat. It's like both ways. Yeah, yeah. And like you, you can't like if I get a a um, a thing of Oreos like with the three rows. I'm probably gonna eat the whole thing. <laughs> Double stuff. <laughs> so when I get Oreos, I only get like the small pack. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because otherwise, I'll just eat the whole thing. <laughs> so wait, like I sneak? I hide food. I sneak it. Shh, don't tell nobody. So this this, <laughs> this whole depression shit that you were talking about before, it kind of like led up to like comedy, or did it just kind of all work itself out? Where no, I went to therapy for years. I went to therapy, and uh, therapy helped a lot. And then. Uh, I was doing, we didn't even talk anything about comedy. Comedy was happening all throughout this. Oh, it was it? Yeah, like Rick Ross, Drake, Wayne, they all used to come to my show in New York. Like this is when I was friends with all of them. Like it's all like, like I got two records with Rick Ross with Nina Sky. Like I got records with Pitbull and Nina Sky. Like all all these stories are all overlapping. You know what I'm saying? Like True Life went to jail. In the middle of all this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> true life going to jail is how I found my love for snowboarding. Like, it's all crazy, <laughs> yo. <laughs> my life is crazy. Because true life went to jail upstate, right? Yeah, yeah. So he went to jail in, in this place called Clinton in New York. So it's like five and a half hours away. Sure, Pac was in jail, and, right? Yeah, Pac was yeah. in there. Ja Rule was in there. Um, there's mad people in that jail. Um, so... The town, it's a jail town. It's disgusting. It's an upstate fucking piece of shit town. So 45 minutes away is Burlington, Vermont, which is a beautiful town. So I would stay there and then drive 45 minutes on the weekends to go see True Life. And Vermont is where um, Burton Snowboards comes from. So then I met the people from Burton Snowboards, and then I got into like snowboarding and all this shit. Like... <laughs> Okay, from jail visits. <laughs> so, like, with with the comedy shit, you was the, well. How did that start, though? Because I was doing, I was on the radio, and I was doing funny shit on the radio, like hanging up on callers or pretending to hang up on them or pretending they won right, a right, prize right. and recording their reaction or like. I would go on the radio. Remember what remember the next telephones, the chirps? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would just play, I would record the chirp into the sound effect machine or the or the radio. Mm-hmm. And like in the middle of a song, I would just play the chirp. And like I would do this all day. And I know people were Someone just looking at their phones. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're driving and you hear chirp chirp and you like look at your phone, and then people will call up like, your phone is on the air. Your phone on the air. I'm like, I don't even have a next tell. They're like, I'm hearing a chirp. I'm like, nah, you bugging out. And then um, I would like <laughs> crank call people or I would call like, um, I just saw this on the internet recently. I would call two Chinese restaurants and put them on at the same time. Oh my God. I'm, I've yo. seen that a lot lately, but yeah, that's old. That, yo, I used to do that on the air, son. And then, um, so, so people would just be like, yo, you funny on the radio, son. You mad funny, you funny. So I was like, okay, me and Jamal were like, all right, people keep saying funny. What are we going to do with it? Like. How do we make money off of that? And we're like, oh, let's start. Let's see if we could do a comedy show. And we just start producing a comedy show. And then eventually I started doing stand-up, getting into it more, and just started blowing up. Yeah. How did it go hand-in-hand with the DJing, though? Oh, comedy and DJing is almost exactly the same. So 
the lifestyle is the same. Like a lot of DJs and comedians like stay out all night drinking, um, wake up late. You know what I'm saying? Also, uh, when you read a room, right? right? Like so, as a DJ, you walk into the club, you're like, oh, this is a lot of lot of drunk white girls in here. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or oh, this look kind of like this look a little hood tonight, or whatever it is. Or this this is kind of corporate. You know what I'm saying? You like, oh, maybe I should play clean versions, you know? So when you do when you do comedy, you look at the room and you're like, oh, there's a lot of tourists. Or this like, you know, there's a hood crowd. Let me, I gotta be louder, more rambunctious, you know what I'm saying? Or like this like a corporate event, I gotta keep it clean. And it's all about timing. Like the way you drop the records at a certain point is the way you pause when people are laughing and you drop the punchline. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like that it was in a stage present like if you a DJ that talks on the mic, when I used to go on stage, I didn't have the fear like of new comedians. Like new comedians, when they start, they're like, uh, "Hello, hi." It's like, 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 "Yo, what's up? What's up?" You know, just grab the mic, just do it. That's very. Loud. It's also like the way you like organize the jokes, right? Like yeah. your opening joke, yeah, like you know, like and then, and then yeah, I'm gonna end it with like a big. Like with a big joke, like yeah. with my biggest joke and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Or or the guy before you just bombed and you're like, yo, let me start with the fire. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, oh my God, this guy just ruined the whole night. Yeah. You got to come on with the hits. You know what I'm saying? It's all that stuff. Like organizing it. It's like playlists. When you were doing, when you were doing uh, like the stand-up, were you more involved with just like free, like not free, like just like kind of going off the top of your head? Yeah, like not not writing jokes and like, like coming up with shit. Yeah, well, like I'd be hosting, and we do like crowd work. Like I fuck with the crowd, right? And I'll say something funny, and then another comedian would be like, "Yo, that's funny. You should keep that." And I'm like, "What does that mean?" He's like, "Say that again, like do." And then build on it, right? Yeah. yeah. So then I would write it down, and like I started off with like New York Puerto Rican jokes, and then um. You know, I still do Puerto Rican jokes to this day from back then because it's like they they always work, but I change it a little, expand on it. Like now I say, like, I always say this. I go, yeah, I'm from a stereotypical Puerto Rican household. My grandmother's 37. She's a slut, right? I've been saying that for years. But just like two months ago, I started going, yeah, my grandmother's 37. She's a slut. She's at the Cardi B concert right now. You know what I'm saying? And it just works. Like. And then until Cardi B's not relevant anymore, I'll take that part out. Right, right, right. Or add someone else or Mm -hmm. change it. And then I never even thought I could add something to that joke. So now I'm like, oh, maybe I should make that like longer. Like how much, how young my grandmother is. Other things she does. So when you was in that circle, is that how you met like Dave Chappelle and all that shit? No, I knew Dave before. I was on the Chappelle show. I was the DJ at the Chappelle show. Were you the first one? That's what I'm saying though. Uh, Yeah, I was the first one. I did the pilot. Oh, I how did, did that pilot, come about? But um, well, that's what I'm saying. Was it because you were in the scene, or he was just no, out and no? About? This is the I didn't get into comedy to wait. Oh, that's oh four, oh two, oh three, oh three, oh four. Yeah, so I wasn't into comedy until oh seven, oh eight. I mean, I was always into it. I didn't wasn't right, right. doing it. But Chappelle told me I was funny and that I should do stand up back then. And I was like, damn, damn what the shit. fuck you talking about? One of the greatest of all time. Why would I do stand up? He's like, yo, you funny. You got the you got the knack. I know I fucked up, but uh, I was a DJ on the Chappelle show. I met him one night, and I already met him, but I I saw him one night, 
and he was like, yo, um, I'm going to do the, some something at the Comedy Cellar. You want to come? So I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. I had some girl with me. We go to the Comedy Cellar. He gets on stage for like two hours. Wow. And then after that, he's like, let's go get something to eat. And he's like, yo, I'm, I'm about to do this. Uh, I'm about to do this pilot for Comedy Central. I'm doing like a show. He's like, but I want to have a DJ on there. Can you DJ for me? So I'm like, yeah. You don't you don't seem too excited about it, but yeah, I'll DJ for you. <laughs> so we shoot the pilot, Neil Brennan, and uh, we shoot the pilot. And then a couple months later, he calls me. He's like, yeah, they they picked it up. They're gonna do the show. He really didn't care. He not gave a fuck. Wow. He's like, can you DJ like when I do like talk to the audience and stuff? I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Boom. And then it's the Chappelle show that we know today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Was the first pilot the one where he goes, come on, titty? Where he has a girl. The pilot she- never aired. Oh, it didn't? The, no, it was just like, they just showed what it might look like. We shot it at like a college, like in a college auditorium. Oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. That's it never aired. Dope. Oh, some of the sketches aired. Like when he was the newsman. Yeah, yeah. with the white face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was in the pilot. That's fucking nuts, man. Shit. And um, you're also, uh, was it Michael Chase? Yeah, I'm going on the road with Michael Chase. I saw you on the uh, the special. Yeah, I'm on the yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, Michael Chase. Damn, he's funny, man. Yeah, he's, he's really fun. fun. I saw him not this year, but last year in New Orleans for All-Star Weekend. Oh, yeah. I, I DJed an event for Bleacher Report, and it was yeah. him and uh, Hannibal Burris. Yeah, that was, he's I didn't funny. Go to that one. Yeah. How was it uh, meeting Seinfeld? Five seconds. <laughs> did you like? I go. So Seinfeld, we did. I did all. Not all. I did most of the shows at Radio City when Dave did like a whole month of August. Yeah. He did like twenty shows. So Seinfeld came to one of them. So here's how I love. All right, you want to know some DJ shit? Spin Global Awards. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> Piece of shit. Fuck Global those. shit awards. Um, <laughs> fuck those. <laughs> So every global, night, the global every <laughs> night, different people would come through, right? So this night, Seinfeld came, and I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. So I'm like, all right, um, when Seinfeld goes on, I'm going to go backstage. So when that he gets off stage, I'm going to be right there, and I'm going to say hello to him. And I'm gonna, I want, it's better if Dave introduces you. So I'm going to be right there so Dave can introduce me. So then I seen ASAP Ferg in the back. And... um. Get out of here, man. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I saw Ferg and I said, yo, I said, yo, Ferg, um, I gotta what I do is I DJ like four minutes hype before Dave comes out. Like I DJ in the beginning, but then also towards the end before Dave comes out, I get hit the crowd hype. I'm like, yo, come over here with me. I'm gonna play your song. You pop out and do a verse real quick. So so me setting that up is the time I was supposed to meet Seinfeld. But I, my love for hip hop and to get ASAP Ferg more exposure, I brought him out as a surprise. So anyway, so we shoot to the Grammy weekend. I go to this Dave Chappelle party. I look over and Dave and Neil Brennan are talking to, to Jerry Seinfeld. So I walk up, I walk right to Dave. I said, Dave, introduce me to Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> right now. He's like, all right, Seif. So he goes, hey, Jerry. This is my friend Cypher. He's my DJ. He's a comedian. He's hilarious. And he goes, hey, really nice to meet you. He shakes my hand. And I go, I said, yo, I was at Radio City. I was DJing that night when you were there. I wanted to meet you then. But, you know, I couldn't. And he goes, yeah. 
<laughs> and then that was it. Yo, Damn. he's he's literally like one of the biggest assholes. Like, I mean, look but he, he's like a lovable asshole. Yeah, look what but he did you, to Kesha, yo. Yeah, I mean, he but, fucking murdered. Yo, her. he really does not give a fuck what people think. <laughs> he bro. doesn't give. He a doesn't fuck. give a fuck at all. That's he crazy. Care. And I don't think it's because of the money. I think he's always been like. That. He's always been. Actually, he only cares about like comedians he respects. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah but Kesha, she was. She was interrupting an interview. Yeah. That was wild. I was like, But it was all about fuck. her shit anyway. It was like, he was like, yeah, I don't really want to yeah. fuck with that. He anyway, said, no though. thanks. <laughs> no <laughs> thanks. <laughs> shit was wild. Yo, uh, I kind of want you to put the story out because it's pretty mar- like dope to me. Uh, this when- has to be boring right now. Nah, nah, who's still nah. listening? Everybody. Yo, if you're still Everybody. listening, <laughs> fuck the global <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That... You did like an April Fool's prank on a crowd with Kevin Hart. Oh, I always do that. Yo, can you tell me real quick? I go. So it doesn't work at the Comedy Cellar because big people always pop up at the Comedy Cellar. But if I'm doing a show anywhere else and I'm hosting, I get uh, I get the uh, right, right when the show's ending, I give like a piece of paper and I write Kevin Hart on it and I give it to like one of the waitresses. And I'm like, yo, when I, when I start to say goodbye to the audience, Come give me this piece of paper. So <laughs> I used to do this at Caroline's all the time. So I'm like, yo, thank y'all for coming out. Great show. And then the waitress comes over, hands me the paper. And I'm like, oh, word, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he wants to get on. And the waitress goes, yeah. And I go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, you know this man. And I start just listing Kevin Hart movies. You know this man from. Whatever, whatever. Right along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, G. So and people, like, people start going, oh, what? Oh, oh. They start, yo, I go, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Kevin Hart. And people stand up. They start clapping. They pull their phones out, cheering. And I just say, I just like, nah, get the fuck out of here. He's not coming. <laughs> so mad, yo. They get so mad. Uh, I had to stop doing it because- the waitresses started telling me, like, yo, when people are that mad, they don't tip. Uh, like, yo, stop doing that shit. <laughs> Damn. Hey, yo, Saif. Yo. I don't want to keep you here, like, any longer than you want to be well, here. What but... time is it? Midnight. Oh, we got here at 8.30. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We did it. We did a thing. We did. We did I, a thing. I have one last oh, re- yeah. re- request. Yeah. I got to go back to High 97. Okay. And one of the most epic, I mean, one of the most epic times, and I had a question, was the fucking Nas and Jay Z beef. Uh, I wasn't there. You wasn't there. I wasn't and I wanted, there. And I wanted um, to ask you, what was the most epic fucking moment at Hot ninety seven for you? That you was crazy because I know there's been there's been shootouts, there's been fucking crazy shit going on. Yeah. What was the ultimate most crazy for me? Shit? Yeah. For me. Uh, I would say, uh, there's a lot, but I would say the Nori Cannabis DMX Freestyle. Nori Cannabis DMX Freestyle was like, I mean, the Rockefeller Freestyle was dope when the first time you heard Freeway. Yeah, yeah. I remember Um, that one. Yeah, the Rockefeller one is dope, but Mm -hmm. the Nori Cannabis DMX one was just like raw, raw energy. Like, you know how cannabis was. Obviously, you know how DMX is, mm-hmm. and you know how Nori is. And, like, they were, 
I don't, it was like, there was something in the room, like, that was like ultimate hip hop. Also, um, the, the, there was a blackout in New York City mm-hmm. and the Rucker game, the Rucker, famous Rucker basketball game. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be Terror Squad versus Rockefeller. Rockefeller. And the blackout hand, they couldn't play. And this Fat Joe and Jay-Z back then had like a little drama mm-hmm. and they couldn't play. So Fat Joe called the radio station, was like, yo, they lucky. It's a blackout. We was going to whip their ass. They have no idea what they was in for. So then Jay and all the Rockefeller people came to the radio station with LeBron James as, I think he was in high school. Yeah, he was yeah. He was mm-hmm. in the NBA. Damn. Yeah, he was in high school. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. I still don't know who he is now, but apparently it was a big deal. <laughs> but yeah, they came and they was talking shit. DMX almost punching the security guard. Uh, Locks freestyles were always crazy. First time 50 came, G-Unit freestyles were crazy. I'm trying to think of anything else that was epic. I wasn't there for any of the shootings. Oh, the shootings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are all, I mean, those are the big, big, big ones, but also just being there, like, meeting all your favorite celebs and stars. And like, I mean, one thing for me, you won't care about this. One thing for me that's epic, I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan, right? Uh-huh. So what's the guy who played Black Dynamite? The black guy, the actor. Oh, you know what I'm um, talking about? Michael J. Fox. No, no, it's the guy. Black from Dynamite. Black. Yeah, you know the movie Black Dynamite. Michael J. White or something the, like that. The, yeah, the, he's bodybuilder, big yeah, dude, yeah. karate guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was he was there promoting a movie, and we were talking. We was interviewing him, and then he said, "Oh, that's the director, Charlie Mathau," and I was like, "Mathau, you related to Walter Mathau? You know who Walter Mathau is?" Yeah. yeah, he's like an old actor. actor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you relate to? Well, I love all that old movie shit, like black. That's and white an odd movie. couple, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, couple, yeah. the mm-hmm. original movie. And he goes, yeah, that's my father. And I, that's it. The rest of the time, I just talk to that guy. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I said, yo, Walter Matthau's your father, and he's telling me all about old Hollywood stories. And then I go, yeah, I love all this stuff. I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan. And he goes, oh, you like Frank Sinatra? He goes, check this out, and pulls out a credit card. And it says Fra- Francis uh, A. Sinatra on it. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And he goes, yeah, my dad won this in a poker game. What? Goes, oh, my dad gave it to me. Wow, Jesus. You see what I'm saying? What was it, Amex? No, it was 76 gas station. Remember the old <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 76 yeah, gas yeah, station? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a picture somewhere. So I touched Frank Sinatra's credit card. Man. That's how ill I am. <laughs> Global Spin Awards. You hear that? Shit. Yo, am are we forgetting anything, or we want? Yeah, we forgot ask? everything. There's a couple of things we could keep going, but I, I know you're busy. I don't give a fuck. Jamal's sleeping. <laughs> What's gonna say? Okay. Uh, you have, have to do. I have something. Okay. I always wanted to know this. How did you and um Juan Epstein, you come up with the Juan Epstein podcast? Juan Epstein mm-hmm. was a mistake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> like literally. Okay, so I was on the radio. I was about to get the morning show. Ebro wanted Rosenberg to be on the morning show. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just put us together. And we were like, no, Rosenberg came up with the whole idea. I didn't even know what a podcast was. Rosenberg was like, yo, um, I don't know you. You don't know me. We don't even know how we sound together. Mm-hmm. Let's go in the back studio of the radio station and record a podcast. And then we could listen to it and see how we sound. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I would have been like a Puerto Rican and a Jew, like Swan Epstein. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's it, Juan Epstein. Mm-hmm. 
and we just went in the back and started recording and I didn't I didn't even know what to say like and then there was just, no topic y'all just went off like just went in off. the beginning yeah in the beginning we just were talking like how does you how do you sound on the mic how do I sound does your voice get higher on the mic low we're just trying to figure it out yeah and then we just then it became Ron Epstein like it blew up and like we've had like We've had superstar guests, but we've also had like times where we like fighting each other. You know what I'm saying? Like we about to kill each other. We have times where we're cracking up. Yo, I I remember when y'all had Nori on there and shit. Did that kind of plant the seed for Nori to do drink champs a little bit? Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nori jacked our shit, yo. <laughs> Nori jacked one up, and Questlove jacked one up. Questlove's um, he got a show on um, Pandora. It's like a it's a podcast, but it's like a radio show. Uh, I mean, it's a radio show, but it's like a podcast. And then there's a there's a couple like I don't know. There's was it like almost a year where you guys didn't record anything? Oh, all the time, all the time. It was just gaps and shit. Yeah, it's huge gaps. And then y'all would just yeah, start yeah. again. Yeah, and then we just we would be like, all right, we're just gonna call it a season. Start the new season. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but we would like. I thought something happened or something. Always because Juan Epstein was like our third job. It yeah. wasn't like our main thing. It was right. we were first of all, radio was the main job. Right, right. And then he had all this other shit he was doing. I was doing those, all this other shit. And if you miss one week, you're gonna miss four weeks. Like it right. just happens. And then you're like, all right, we gotta get back on. And people would call up, yo, what, what, the, what the fuck? Right. Where's the episodes? So because like, because it becomes a part of everyone's like yeah, weekly but like, routine. And you know? this is yeah. the early days of podcast. Now we re- now like people like it's their full time jobs new, now. Yeah. Like they yeah. like if they're part yeah. of podcast companies and and you gotta have your time limit and your sponsors. We just were free balling. Dude, you like, literally dude. have a track record of doing shit to do it out of love or just to do it. Yeah. And then you don't think about the You know what else I love? Money. <laughs> I wish I knew how to get it. I gotta figure this out. I fucking wow, yo. Well, no. look, I got um. Well, I'm gonna tell you how I make some money. Uh, <laughs> I got a um, I got a birthday show coming up in New York, April 17th. It's a comedy show and a music show hosted by Michael Che. Got great comedians Man. on there. So this is gonna be the biggest birthday show I've done. And then it's called my, Bodega, my right? improv show, yeah, Bodega Bash. And then my improv show that I do every week is is I get hip hop artists to tell a story, and then we make up a show on the spot. Oh. It's fucking amazing. And I got a ten city tour sponsored by Monster Energy Outbreak Tours. So that's happening in June. So if you're on the East Coast, Boston, Providence, Connecticut, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Atlanta. Any of those places, um, the tour is coming your way. Just look for it, cyphersounds.com. And it's going to be amazing. And if you love anything I've ever done, please come to the fucking show. It's crazy. <laughs> Are you going to come to Vegas? Not as of right now. Sorry? We're coming to LA also, Jamal. Okay. Just tell me. All right, New cool. update on the tour, guys. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Can Are we you, go to Vegas? You know a spot we could do the show? Shit. Do yeah, it in the um, studio. The, um, House of Blues? Let's do the House of Blues. Wait. Yeah, Brooklyn Bowl. <laughs> you said a comedy cellar is opening yeah. up at comedy Vegas. Comedy is opening. Yeah. It's not a stand-up show. It can't be. It needs like a theater setting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh. You can probably do House of Blues. Yeah. You could do that, right? Shit. Yeah. You know the people there? 
I know someone that knows someone. <laughs> That's always the move. All right, well, I'm going to come fuck with y'all in Vegas. Definitely. Definitely man. do it. Hey, yo, Sife, thank you for, for coming through, man. Like, completely humble, man. Yeah. Hey, yeah, man. Hey, Global Spin Awards. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I need an answer. I need an answer. So how do they, they're going to write to you, write to these guys, or write to me. Why am I neglected and overlooked? That's all I want to know. Shit. I hope they reach out. Let's get down to this. <laughs> Yo, Saif, thank you. Know you know what? I'm going to start the local spin awards. How about that? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> thanks for having me. Peace. Yo, thanks, Saif. Thank you, Thanks for coming through. Whoops.